0: You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter.
1: Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. We're at season 11, episode 36, and we are in seventh heaven tonight. Not the place in Glasgow where you may see women of a certain persuasion but we have seven people on the podcast so you can tell how this podcast is probably going to go we're coming up to christmas and we're all going a bit mental let's face it uh i say going a bit mental i think some would maybe say i'm always a bit mental is that fair to say john
2: well you're best describing yourself so who are we are argue i'm
1: self-aware i'm self-aware aren't i uh how you doing john you good
2: i good just um Cracking around, trying to get through to Christmas and try to get some writing done as well before my, my own deadline next month, so yeah, well, good
1: Yes, hi, we're well, talking about deadlines Yeah, we've got a deadline tonight in terms of getting this lower league review done When is it? An hour and a half we got, John? Is that right? Is that what you've given me time? Well,
2: that's, that's the aim, but what the reality is, is no sure
1: <laughs> Right, okay, okay, we're going to the guess. okay So, returning from the lower league preview podcast we have Davey Irons, how are you doing? Oh, no how are you is... doing? Hi, good, yourself?
3: Yeah, good, thanks.
1: All um, good. All good. It's John, other John, uh, told you about what I said about the SFA before, when your boy was working with him. I don't know if he, he... still has. Is he throwing me in? I know he's still working there. He's going to throw me under the bus, basically, and say, hi. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> no, though, John, did you not say to <laughs> Lewis...
2: Yeah, I, I said it, and when I spoke to Lewis for the Tatana magazine, which um, is hopefully coming out soon, um, but he just then um, passed it off to um, the guy who watched the Twitter handle. To be fair, there was a few of them, so it wasn't wasn't necessarily Lewis. that stole your Thunder. It could have been any one of them, but it's a good team there.
1: Don't call it our Thunder; it was our Thunder. Yours? Don't, don't try and make me the sole <laughs> the sole perpetrator. So effectively, what happened is during even before the Euros, wasn't it? But, but I think Nations League. We were doing a wee taps-half To be fair, we called it taps, on, taps off I think we called it everything under the sun. And then, was it the England game? I it think. was the
2: Croatia. It was the oh, Croatia game. game.
1: Mm-hmm. So we're all set to do it, put it out. We're like thinking, aye, this will be good. It's the opening game of the, the Euros. Here we go. And then the SFA tweeted it about two minutes before we were about to tweet it. So I, we were blaming your boy, basically. <laughs> <laughs> aye. Why not. I'm going on a lot of things as well. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I I thought I'd get out of the airline before you throw me under the bus, John. Effectively, <laughs> uh, so, uh, I'll do that. So, uh, good to have you back, Davey.
3: No, it's a pleasure. Good to catch up with you again.
1: Uh, and if your son wants to come on, he's a he's welcome anytime. <laughs> I'll
3: give him a let him know.
1: <laughs> um, so, returning also from the episode is Paul. How are you doing?
4: Yeah, I'm very well, thank you, apart from uh, an eye infection which has seen me wear, looking at one of the proclaimers tonight So, uh, which, aside which one? of that <laughs> Which one? <laughs> well, the one with the least hair I think it's very safe I thought it be them, probably, you know, <laughs> so, uh, If somebody else sits next to me in a minute and starts singing, you know what's going on But aside uh, of that, I'm all good All good, thanks well, for inviting me back home.
1: Pleasure, uh, we should say Paul obviously from the SFSA. How's things Thank going? You.
4: How is things going there? We're just uh, actually, uh, for any of you who are on Twitter just now, we'll just put an instant poll up. Uh, we've been talking uh, about what's going to happen in the next few days, few weeks regarding um, what's happening with COVID. Will the leagues be called? Will there be, you know, uh, the cup final go ahead? How do people p- feel about going to games? We've been talking to some fans, in the right and they're right, There's maybe 25% of fans that are actually deciding not to go to games because they're starting to feel uncomfortable about it. So we've, uh, we put it on about 10 minutes ago. We've over 200 responses so far, and I believe we're on the BBC in the morning, uh, just talking about the responses. One of my colleagues. So uh, listen, is is any any chance that we have to actually get in the fans' view across? It's just we've got to grab, no matter what the issue is. So So, um, yeah, all, all good with us. Aye, absolutely. I will retweet
2: that right now for you, Paul, so that um, people Thank you follow me, which isn't many, can um, answer. <laughs> Aye, we'll,
1: we'll get it tweeted definitely from the podcast and different things. But I think it we'll not try and touch on that too much, hopefully, about COVID, but it is obviously still around, unfortunately. But I know in terms of impact, gigs have started to get cancelled, so that's not a good sign. Gigs, and to be honest, a lot of it has been maybe the bands actually canceling them because they're now at the stage whereby if anyone's test positive, Christmas is snickered for people. Yeah, I mean, just
4: give you one example we've got uh, somebody's part of our football team. uh, My son's football team went to the pub uh, with some of his mates last week, and there there were six of them at the pub, and five of them have now got COVID. So, I mean, it's absolutely like nothing we've seen before. We obviously don't know the same as everybody else. We don't know the consequences and everything. But, you know, five out of six going for a pain, you know, you can understand why people are just a bit nervous about it, especially this time of year.
1: No, absolutely, especially after what happened last year. But we'll try and remain positive as best we can, and that's all we can do. <laughs> be positive and be safe. So talk about being positive and being safe. How are you doing, Mark? Uh, I'm not
5: looking forward to this being reminded of <laughs> my, my League 2 yeah. prediction. I heard the 25% of the fans that don't want to go to the games are cup fans
1: <laughs> Yeah, you're saying that you were telling me off air how much you were looking forward to talking about Stalybridge Albion season so far
5: Yeah, they have to Well, at least you've got a, a week cup game to look forward to a wee payout a wee payout It looks look smashing that we might actually lose our own record at 20 nil. so I'm not looking forward to it at all not at all yeah, much
1: as we're saying we're going to try and avoid talking about COVID, let's hope that you don't miss out on that big
5: payday. See, to be honest, if they call the season right now, I'd be quite happy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, so talking to Falkirk fans, and I know, Mark, you're delighted that we've got a Falkirk fan on, so you can even you can talk even more about Falkirk than you did in the initial episode. I think you probably spoke about Falkirk more than Stolid Albion, would that be fair to say?
5: Well, you know what it's like? We've got... A terrible house, but theirs is even worse. So it's, it's great. I take great pleasure in it. And it's the only thing that actually cheers me up. Fair play. It's fair part play. Of my
1: season after all. So having a Falkirk fan on is
5: quite worrying because
1: we like to ask questions on the podcast. But as we all know, Falkirk fans like to make statements. So Alan, have you got any statements you'd like to make?
6: It's the fans fault. <laughs> 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 no, I have pleasure to be back. Cheers for having us back on. Hi. Um, uh, I mean, until about two hours ago, it was miserable. And now I've just seen Kerry Miller, but the only downside is he's, he's no sign of a striker. So we're, still, uh, we're all, still up the creek. But um, no, it's uh Hi. No, I feel, I feel for Southern Albion. What's the five games lost on the trot? That is, that's bad.
1: Oh, here we go. You two <laughs> you pair are going to get on brilliantly. I, I, I reckon the rest of us could just get the popcorn, listen to the pair that you just go after. <laughs> Oh sorry, mince pies, mince pies because mince pies,
6: mince pies,
1: that, that's the season. Um though does anyone like mince pies actually? The, the actual mince pies did anyone like them? hundred percent hundred All right. Oh definitely. Oh all right, right. Oh, all right okay.
5: Uh, Mark, are you a mince pie man? I'm I'm not gonna lie. I see until a year ago. I thought it was actually mint that was in it, so <laughs> 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 That was <answer's> awesome. <laughs> uh Paul.
1: Mince pie, scotch pie?
4: Yeah, I mean, a, a scotch pie, I mean, the old-fashioned, I'm old enough to know they used to be called a mutton pie yeah, because yeah. it used to be mutton they had in them. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big favourite of the pies. And I'll give you an interesting anecdote. Uh, I've probably told you this story before, but I was involved with Total Football magazine when it was around and we come up with the idea of the national championship of pies. And would you believe the first year Clyde won it, and then I think an English team won it, Colchester, and then the last year it ran across the UK, Kilmarnock won it, and they've been they've been dining out in the fact that this Kilmarnock pie is the greatest pie in the world, and I want a commission for having set that up and created it 20 years ago, and the chances are still telling us they've got the greatest pie ever, it's just because there's not been another competition the year after.
1: I, I like that way as well, how you did a wee plan about dining out on pies. Was that intentional? <laughs> Absolutely. Intentional? Oh, I hope that was intentional. No, 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 intentional. No. I'm not that no. clever. That's all right. I, I, I spot it. Don't worry. Don't worry. You're fine well here with these puns. And returning, we've no Adam one for a while, eh? Like we, it's like buses come twice. Was it, London buses? You don't see one for ages, in twice in succession. Dr Grant, how are you doing?
0: Very good, John. Nice to be back on, Um, of course. I've taken off my Northern Irish League hat for the scene, and it's great to actually just talk about Scottish football for a change as well. So I'm looking forward to having some good company with yourself and these uh, fine gents as well.
1: Oh, fine you're very You're very good, aren't you? My missus was listening to the podcast. She starts listening to the podcast now. And she was like, he sounds a bit like that Derek Gray guy you had on there a week. So that's <laughs> that's high praise. That uh, is high praise indeed. I mean, uh, Derrick is a
0: Aberdeen legend, isn't he? You know, he's just fantastic. So I, I must be held in
1: high esteem. So your your missus has got good taste, my man. <laughs> Aye. To be fair, he's, he's a legend overall, not just an Aberdeen legend. Um, indeed.
0: So, But uh, that's where he was born, of course, of or, or course, born
1: in Brad, I should say. Of course. So I, everyone has been introduced. Everyone's met each other because some of you weren't on uh, the initial Lower League podcast. John, are you going to take us back there about some predictions that were made?
2: I don't know how we want to do this. I mean, in terms of uh, starting the championship, so every one of us had come on at win League. So the, the panel that we're on was um, two Johns, Davy, Paul, who are back on it, and, and, and Mark. Um, the only one missing is the low-league expert, Ali Graham. He's sadly um, busy tonight, unfortunately, but we'll give you a big shout-out.
1: Um, is that because he's doing the Christmas episode? Is that coming back on Channel 4? G?
2: Fair. No? Is that your best Christmas cracker, John? Oh,
1: yakasha. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um,
2: and in terms of relegation, um, there was a, a five way split between Morton and Queen of the South, but there was one person that didn't pick a team to get relegated. That was yourself, John. So. Um, and those two happen to be bottom of the league just now. Um I, I might so, be
1: I might be right because if the season gets called again, maybe no team will get relegated eh?
2: Maybe. I don't think it will get cold. No, i don't, I don't think, think it'll so. come with that. But we'll try not to talk too much about that because we're trying to move away and try and be positive. So we are let's stop that COVID chat right now.
1: So do we then think on the back of that, Kawaraka still would have win the league? those that were on before initially?
2: I don't right now. Um, I know f- it, things can change in a couple of weeks, but um, I've got a mate who's a Command Up fan and, you know, he's actually wouldn't Tommy me right out. Now, I think that's almost a bit crazy, but they're, they're not scoring many goals. You know, in terms of the teams in the top five, they're the lowest scorers with 20. um, um Although they have conceded the less at 11, they're not scoring goals. And four defeats in the last five games, it's not a good run that they're on just now. And, uh, you know, right now, the way things are going, Wraith Rovers and Inverness are looking more likely. In fact, our are looking more likely to get promoted than come on right now.
1: I mean, you've not even mentioned Partick. That's all Paul's team.
3: Not yet, no
4: the only thing Thistle have done good is the is the not not letting in any goals with a, a club record for our, for our defence and our goalkeeper. But uh, they look look pedestrian in terms of creating chances. I think playoffs for Thistle, and I think I pretty, pretty much said that right at the start. I think playoffs they'll be relatively happy with. Uh, but I think you can't talk about this league without actually talking about Dick Campbell. And what an incredible job he's done at our growth on the the budget he's got, um, and I, I dare to even have a dig at Falkirk again there, but you know taking Falkirk players who are no good and good enough for the division below and actually playing them, getting boys to score goals for them, so he's um, he's done an incredible job. But I, I agree with John. I think are just no. You don't win leagues by scoring twenty goals. If you even you know extrapolate that out to the rest of the season, I thought they would be quite a bit ahead by this time but I think it will be Wraith Rovers and, uh, and Inverness really who will maybe just nudge ahead um, so the, the interesting bit for me will be who, who's going to make the playoffs and obviously as a Thistle fan I've got a, a vested interest in that
1: Yeah it's interesting Davy. What, what do you think in terms of your prediction at the start and where we're at now
4: Yeah I mean no, I
3: still stick by Ike uh, if you look at the league, it's, obviously, it's basically two leagues of five now, isn't it? There's a big gap between fifth and sixth. so I still think Kilmarnock will come good. You know, over the years, I think, it's all cliche, isn't it? It's not a sprint, it's a marathon, but I do think they've got the experience. They'll, they've had a sticky spell. Most teams do have sticky spells throughout the season. This is Kilmarnock's now. It's probably the best time to have a sticky spell. I think after Christmas, I, I still think they'll come strong. And uh, I know there's some Wraith Rovers doing well, Inverness uh, obviously Thistle as well, but I do think Kamanakal will, will be strong enough and they'll come good.
1: Do we think in a way, I always think as a team, they always say defences win leagues. If you have the best defence, more often than not, I reckon you've got a good chance of winning the league. Would you agree with yeah. that?
3: Yeah, yeah, normally. And I think, you know, you look at they've had the Quite a big recruitment, you know over spell over the summer. They brought in a lot of players. They'll still be tinkering a wee bit. I think uh, Tommy Wright, he's a very astute, experienced manager. I do think he'll get it right. I know the Commander fans are having a wee go at him at the moment, but I think he'll turn the corner. And like I say, there's there's nothing in it with the top five. You know, two or three victories, they're right back up there. And I do think, you look at the experience I've got in the group, though, I th- I think we'll be strong enough to go and win that. I think the other squads in the league aren't as strong in terms of numbers. I think Wraith Rovers particularly have got a, quite a a small squad. I know Thistle's probably one of the bit, bigger ones, but I do think Kilmarnock over the piece will all pull through.
1: You I like that. You're sticking with your prediction. I like that. You get are you noting this down, John. The, the current predictions as well, <laughs> right, Mark? What are your thoughts? You still sticking with are You twisting?
5: I, I agree with you, I think Kamalika eventually will come good. But in the day, you know what that league's like. Anybody can be anybody in it. It's so hard to predict. But I think eventually Kamalika will pick up pace, and you've got the, probably the biggest squad there. So, but I would love to see a growth there just as a neutral, you would love to see the underdog come out and I really hope our both do it. I really, really do. But sensibly, I think Kilmarnock are the team may be in it.
1: Yeah. Right. I'm going in the early here. So, we're talking about Dick. We would love to see Dick in the top flight, wouldn't we? we? We spoke about this at the start of the season. Like, Dick Campbell, to be fair, done a great job of our both. He never, ever, to my knowledge, has been considered for a job in the top flight. Now, if you want to be like Dick and be considered top flight material, 20% off and free shipping, uk.manscape.com, SFF podcast, capital letters. Be like Dick, rise to the top and have your baubles all shiny for Christmas. Okay? <laughs> so everyone get out in your sack this Christmas and or gift it to somebody. I think maybe Dick would gift it to his brother. I love Dick. I <laughs> would know that. But what about Dick Campbell? <laughs> no, I sorry, sorry. It's a family show. It's a family show. So, no, generally, uh, get involved. But seriously, though, no, Dick Campbell, why, why is he never considered for top five jobs?
3: I think Dick's obviously had a spell. He was at Dunfermline. Um, he's had Ross County. He's had Thistle. He's had a lot of clubs over the years. Um, you know, he's been at every club in, in the East Coast, I think, from my growth, breaking, far, far. You know, he's had a lot, a lot of clubs. Um, I listened to him recently on talking about football in general and how he says that it's the one industry that gets rid of experience. You know, and there's a guy who's, what's nearly 70? No, he must be touching 70. I'm not sure. Well, maybe not 70, but certainly mid-60s anyway and uh, he's probably having the best time of his career. But, I mean, that's, you got to look at what he's done previously. He's had so much experience throughout the, the whole of Scottish football, you know, and uh, maybe he deserves a wee swan song, maybe he deserves a wee chance in the top flight, but I don't think anybody would, um, anybody would deny him that opportunity. I, personally, I don't see that happening with our You know, and then, the snobbery associated with Scottish football, maybe they don't want somebody like Dick taking their club, but, you know, I think Ross County got rid of him in are top of the championship all these years ago. You know, and he gets sacked at the top of the league, so he's one of these characters that everybody loves, but maybe they feel that he's, you know, he's maybe the old school, old-fashioned manager type coach that you don't want associated with a modern style of football, but you know, I'm I'm in Dick Campbell's camp. I think he's his enthusiasm, his knowledge is just absolutely top drawer. And after uh, one, we'd love to see him getting a chance, but to be honest, he probably won't.
1: Well, you know, they're only three points off the top. Like, yeah, again, they probably got a small squad. Yeah, but does that sometimes work though? In terms, of like, assuming you don't, you get lucky with injuries and suspensions, having that smaller squad whereby they know they've got a better chance of playing.
3: Yeah, it probably can help in some respects. But you know, the, the issue is when they, they they start getting games maybe cancelled, you know, the midweek games, guys that are part time, as you know, you know, rushing about all over the country getting off their work, you know, and trying to maintain a level of performance for, you know, thirty six games in the championship is really tough, you know. And I think Dick quietly will be delighted, isn't he's in that top top Half of the league, um, I'm sure he'll he'll be the last person to say we'll win the league. But I think I do think it'll be a step too far for a bro. But we we'll to give Dick so much credit for what he's what he's achieved.
2: When you look at their stats this season, I mean they've get the they've scored the most goals, um, they've got the best goal difference in the league. They're only three points off the top. You no, know, from from that point there's no reason why they can't be, at very worst, be in the playoffs this season. Um, But as you say, David, they are a part-time size and obviously um, with things happening, um, you know, there's there's a bigger chance of um, infection, et cetera, you know, at at these places, people's workplaces, you know, that could affect them, that could derail them, but then
3: they had that me last season.
2: Yeah. But they had that problem last season and they survived comfortably. So why can't they go a step further than being the top half and in the playoffs this season?
1: Hi. I think what we'll do is so we are going in Grant and Allen, who never obviously were on the initial podcast. So they, they're getting a almost a pass here, because there's nothing to compare in terms of predictions. Alan, what do you think in terms of who's going to win the championship?
6: Well, I said after 17 games, Inverness would be top and Morton would be bottom. So.
1: Where, <laughs> no. did, where
6: did you say that? <laughs> no. It must, must be another one. Another podcast. Hey. I, no, um, I wouldn't do that to you. Um, <laughs> no, it was, uh, it's, been, it's been really interesting. I think, obviously, as the same with the big, the big split between the top five and bottom five. It's, um, uh, it's good. I thought Wraith, I mean, they play, play really good football, Wraith. And we also saw it last season and we wondered whether we could, we could continue it in the Hubs. Um, so it's nice to see them up there because you want to see teams that play well um, and attractive football obviously go um, towards the top end of the table. But um, I think the only promising thing there is that only one of those teams can miss out in the playoffs. So it's going to make that battle going forward. You've seen it's sort of the last, well, come on, like I've lost four of the last five. Um, they're still only, um, I say only, they're only five points off the top. So if they can sort that out, come on, like, as you say, bigger squad. Especially when COVID issues come in, if they, if they can keep themselves fit and and crack on. Um, that that will be good. So I think it's, it's really tough to call. There, I, I didn't, I didn't think I both have enough. I, I still didn't think race quite have enough. Um, I, I like Partick. I do like, but I uh, think Partick, Kilman, I can I would, if I if I pick one, I'll, I'll pick Inverness. I'll, I'll, I'll we'll go go
2: Uh, Grant, um, what, who, who was your prediction at the start and who, what are you thinking now?
0: Well, I've I, I've been pretty quiet because I'm quite embarrassed to admit that I had done firmly to win the league at the start of the season and they've been absolutely pitiful and obviously have sacked Peter Grant and obviously Yogi has come in. Um, I, I agree with what the guys were saying. We've had uh, you know two leagues within a league. We, it's very, very excited to call at both sides of the table. I think the battle at the bottom is just as intriguing as a battle at the top. Um, I agree with a lot of what the other guys have said. You know, I think there's just there's just nothing to choose. I mean, our both have been the story of the season. I mean, Dick Campbell's just doing a sensational job. I, I have a bit of concern if um, the guy who plays up front, who's on loan from Livy, and uh, new play, he goes back probably to Livingston in, in January, I think. He'll be a big loss, I think, which uh, if, if, if our growth don't get him for the second half of the season, I think he's been outstanding. You know, I think big Tam O'Brien at the back has been excellent for them. You know, guys like Bobby Lynn, Nicky Lowe, Dolly's injury has been very good. Michael McKenna as well. And I think our both have quietly gone about their business, but Dick Campbell will just be saying 40 points. That's all he'll be addressing in, 40 points, staying afloat, anything else is a bonus. I, I think Kelly have been really disappointing. Uh, I'm great friends with uh, Ian Arnott of Off the Ball fame, also known as Ian the Plumber. And uh, Kelly have been disappointing this season. I've watched him quite a few times. And uh, they're quite luckluster when they play. They're, they're quite, they're quite bitty when they play. They're, they're not kind of effective enough when they have the ball. They they don't create a lot of chances. They don't kind of hassle and hurry teams. And I think that's someone I think Tommy Wright will want to address in the in the window. Um, they've got a good squad there, but I still think they need a bit more in my opinion. Um, I, I think it's going to be a big second half of the season for Tommy Wright because I do think he's under a bit of pressure there. Uh, Wraith for me have been outstanding. John McGlynn is just doing a. A sensational job down at Starks Park. Good club. Uh, I like Rafe. Obviously, they, they beat Aberdeen in the, the League Cup this season, and they played very well in that. But I don't know. I've been really impressed with Cali. I really like Billy Dodds. I think he's a really nice guy. I think he's worked hard to get into the position he's done in Scottish football. You know, the top of the league. They deserve to be there. They had that little blip, but they seem to have got back on track They won that game against Kilmarnock a couple of Fridays ago. and I don't know. Obviously, Don are not going to wait for the position there in, as I predicted at the start. But you know, I I I think Cali have got a chance. I really do. Um, you know, they've got a five-point lead over Kelly at this stage. And if they could keep that squad together, you know, fully fit, you know, they've won a couple of really big games away from home as well this season. I I just think they've got a chance. But I'm just as intrigued by the battle at the bottom as I am at the top, because that is so hotly contested. Uh, it really is.
2: Peter Grant went into the calendar year 2021 um, in a good position with Alwa at the time after um, a decent cup run and they were looking as though they were going to survive. Then he had an interview with you and it's not really meant to put it's meant to put since then, isn't it?
0: yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I basically messaged Peter quite recently, actually. And I says I'm terribly sorry for being the jinx that cost you the Dunfermline job, but he just laughed. So, yeah, it's it's really sad what's happened there. But but John Hughes has come in, and if Dunfermline got a chance of staying up, you know, Yogi is the the best man. I think that gives them a chance. Um, I've got to be honest, I really worry for Morton at the bottom. They haven't won at home all season. I predicted them to go down at the start of the season. Um, You know, obviously Gus McPherson is is gone. You know, it's going to be a very, very difficult job, I think, for uh, Morton to, to survive. A good club, a good historical club in Scottish football. They're the one team I worry about at the bottom. I think Ayr might have enough with Jim Duffy there. I think Queen of the South might get in the playoff spot. I think Hamilton looked like they've sort of steadied the ship after that six-one drubbing by uh Patrick Thistle a, a few weeks ago. I was marveling at that performance by the Jags. I've got a soft spot for Partick, but yeah, but I yeah, if worried for one.
1: What about Hamilton's loss to Talbot as well? That was good.
0: Yeah, it certainly was because it won me some money off the bookies. So I was oh, happy with that one. It won me, it won me <laughs> some money as well, I'll tell you that.
1: As we always say on the podcast, gamble responsibly it's like generally do gamble responsibly because it's yeah, a absolutely just society if you're getting bored with that So, um, yeah, genuinely
2: John, so, are you changing your mind from Kilmarnock to someone else?
1: Oh, me? Oh, I get asked the question as well? Oh. Yeah, hey. well, you
2: were part of the predictions so I was, wasn't I? Yeah, I'm changing mine to Inverness as well
1: You're changing yours to Inverness
2: Yeah
1: I, I'm going to stick with Kilmarnock For yeah. for same reasons as Davey and Mark said Over the course of the season, squad size probably will see them uh, go up. And also as well, as I said, about the defensive side of things, Tommy Wright, we don't expect attacking, attractive football, but generally over the course of a season, he knows how to get jobs done. And I think that'll be key. So that is my call on that. Do we think then definitely top five, there's no chance a team outside of it is going to in the playoffs? Because could Dunferman under John Hughes going on a run, like a serious run. I can't
2: see them making up a 15-point 15 15 gap. But definitely no. Not for me.
1: Okay, that's fair enough.
2: Well, what about everyone else?
0: Yeah, not for me as well. I think the gap is just too large. You know, Yogi's come in, he's, he's got a little bit of a tune, but it's such a big gap. I think they'll do well to finish sixth, if I'm honest with you.
1: Right, that's fair enough. anyone else, definitely no for uh, any team outside the
6: top five.
4: Can't see anybody else coming in apart from who's there just now.
6: Alan, I think I think if I think if anybody I mean as, as, as you say, it's it's incredibly hard, eleven points. I think Hamilton are maybe the only team, but they've just no they've no got it right eh, this season. Um they're really struggling to score, conceding bag loads. Um it's a, it's a big big ass. Something needs to change in January, but there's a whole se- half season to go. Yeah. Um Davy.
3: I think of them all done I think they're a great appointment. I think Yogi's a top coach. And I do also think Confirming, I've got a wee bit of money behind them with the German backers, so they might be able to strengthen at Christmas time. So, of all of the five teams at the bottom, in the bottom half, they'd be the one team I think could push to get in the top half. But I, I think Yogi's probably looking at it quite happy if he finished six or seven and then he can start again next year. But I don't see the two halves changing
5: over the next few months.
1: I think it's unlikely, um, but I thought I'd put it out there. Mark, again, you, no? I
5: would say no, but then again in the championship, you never know what's going to happen. It can change within weeks. So you love a wee story like that, Dunferman rising above, but I can't see it. Can I see you there? Right, fair enough.
1: John, who did we all have as the bottom team?
2: Well, you didn't have anyone. You bottled out that. Um, oh, I,
1: so... I was probably just asking everybody else. That's what I like to do. Mm. So that I... Yeah.
2: Well, I went with Morton. I'm sticking with that. Um, Ali Green went with Queenie South. Davey went with Queenie South of his former clubs. Um, Paul went with Morton and Mark went with, with Morton. So um, any guys who did predict at the start of the season, do you want to change your mind or are you going to stick with your initial predictions?
3: I'll jump in. I, I'll stick the I'm sitting in Dumfries and I'll probably be getting daggers, but I'll stick the <laughs> Queen in the South. I look at the other teams have all changed or I'm in the process of changing the managers. Um I worry a wee bit for Alan Johnston at Queens. Um they got an absolute doing by Cove in the Scottish Cup a couple of weeks back. There was grumblings at that point point um, when they hit the bottom of the league. They've got a very slim squad, not a lot of experience. And Willie Gibson's still playing at 36. After that, there's not a lot of experience. And I do I do fear for Queens, I think this could be the year that they fall out the out the championship. So I'll stick with them.
4: I think the only uh, saving grace for Morton could be, you know, the managerial. Have they decided yet or is it still imminent I don't know who's in the frame for that
1: Well, I was hoping but for ask A one can... from Davy Davy are you in the hunt for the job
3: <laughs> <laughs> I had a spell there a few years ago um as you I don't know if you remember um but it was a very difficult club a really difficult club to to work for um I know things have changed the fan ownership now which hopefully will see them turning the tide but you know it's a it was a very difficult club to manage. I think I thought Gus got a bit of a raw deal, but again, he's probably working with his one hand tied behind his back when it comes to investment and stuff. So, but I do think they might depend who comes in. I've not even heard, I've not heard a thing about who's, I know they've shortlisted. Um, be interested to see who gets it. it. Might be a somebody, a curveball, somebody from Kazakhstan or whatever. I don't know, but. Um I'll be interested to see who gets a job because they do need to get a lift. And as you all know, the used, clubs always get a lift when they get a new manager in. So that might just be the saving grace for Morton.
2: there Because I think um, his for his club's former manager has been linked for that Morton job, which I think is uh would be a an interesting move.
1: Well what about Marco Rajamaki? Are we uh are we finish number from the last in the past? He was supposedly interested. Don't know if folk remember him. Some of yeah, the older the uh, yeah. older guests might remember him. I certainly remember him. I know my mate, he's a Martin fan. He would absolutely love it if, if, I, could, if I could get the job. um mm-hmm. And he is in coaching in Finland as well. So, a we fan's favourite. And apologies there, Paul, for interjecting. I was just hoping for an exclusive from Davey. <laughs> an announcement live on the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
4: No worries
1: at all. Don't worry. <laughs> with that. Anything else in the championship we want to cover just now? No we all good for
2: it. Well, we could ask, um, I mean, Grant um, and Alan, who do you think are going down this season? And Mark, are you sticking with your prediction as well?
0: Well, I'll, I'll jump in first on this because I, I said at the start that I thought Morton would go down and I'm not changing my mind. As I mentioned earlier on, that the only team in a in a championship without a home win. If you're going to stay alive in this league, you've got to win your home games. They've only taken five points uh, from that 13 at home. Uh, that's not going to be nearly good enough to, to stay in this division. Uh, whereas I feel that Queen's, they've got the advantage of Palmerston. They always seem to do fairly well there. Uh, in the second half of the season. Air United, likewise, at at Somerset and and Hamilton, obviously, at New Douglas Park on that uh, full G surface will always have a chance. I really do worry for Morton. I actually had a thought that someone like Martin Canning might take that job, someone with a bit of fight, somebody who has a a bit of experience of a battle at the bottom. But yeah, it's going to be fascinating who takes over there because I think that's a club in complete disarray on and off the pitch. But it's so, so close. I, I, I simply don't think Dunfermline will be in there. But I, I do think that Hamilton could get sucked right back in there because I'm still not fully convinced that Stuart Taylor is the right man for that job. But I'm still sucking with Morton to go down.
5: Mark? I agree. I think it's going to be Morton as well. I heard um, there's rumours of who their next manager could be. Uh, I don't know really I talk about him now because I keep my blood pressure quite low. But... Uh, <laughs> I know, I've heard rumours that that's them and to be honest, they're not, they're not good enough I've seen, they've went to fan ownership as well and obviously I've seen it personally still in Albion and I've seen us drop at the time we were in the Championship and we've dropped right into League 2 and we've stayed there for six, seven years maybe, so I think for Morton, they're going to have to go down to build once again We don't think Wayne McKinnon will make a turn
1: then
5: I'd love to see it, right? <laughs> enough. I'd love to see it, but uh, I heard uh, it is Kevin Ruchovic. She was it yeah. the other week as well. Uh, and I, I really do. If Morton appoint him, then they deserve to get relegated. And that's nothing an against him, man. But he, he, it's just if, if he's there, then hats off to him. He's managed to blag another job. But we'll see how it goes. You just can... to jump in, Mark, that's a big step up, in my opinion, for Kevin Ruchovic, in my opinion. But what do you think? I mean, obviously, it's a bigger club to go to and stuff. But see see if you meet the guy, he's he's the nicest guy ever. He is. He's the nicest guy. After games, he talks to you. He explains mm-hmm. the things and stuff. But he just, he's just not got it for me. He's in, he's so enthusiastic, but it just doesn't show in the park. And I think he's a bit maybe too friendly. And I think the likes of Morton, you need somebody who will come in and shake them right up and put the boot in. And I just, he's just not got that in him to get somebody
1: See, just before we move on to Alan, in terms of management, I think we talk about how players have evolved over time and maybe a bit more, I don't want to say precious, right? But they like getting looked after maybe in different ways to what maybe some of us are used to in the 90s. Managers have kind of changed as well. I mean, I know we had Mick Kennedy on the podcast before, a double manager, and he's very friendly with the players, which is very different because I think if you're a boss, old school boss, you kind of have that distance between players and management. I don't know, Davey, did you see a change with younger managers that they are more like the pals as opposed to boss employees, Absolutely. effectively?
3: Yeah, there was certainly a distinct in my day playing, was a, there was a distinct gap between players and managers. I find it It has, it's a difficult thing now, the, the younger players expect, I think they expect different things from their coaches and the managers. You know, it's The whole, as we all know, society's changed dramatically in in all aspects. Football, along with everything else. But from a manager's perspective, it's no longer that authority that you had is constantly questioned. It's not just by the players, but, you know, that even things like our social media. Everything is so different. You're analysing everything you do. People know more about you as an individual. Your, Your job as a manager is obviously to try and get the best out of people and there's so much different things going on in their lives as players. You know, it's very, very difficult. But, you know, I, it's still, any job that comes up, there'll be a plethora of applicants, like the Stirling job, the Morton job, whatever. There'll be hundreds of applicants because people want to do it. And they all, everybody, you always think you can make a difference. You know, and I, I do think Manage good coaches aren't always good managers, you know. And I think when, you, especially when you drop down to part time, part time level, you have to be both, and that's not always easy to do, you know. And I think clubs will maybe look at someone as a good manager, but then they don't have a particularly good coaching background, and vice versa. And I do think players expect more on the coaching side than they do actually from man management now. You know, so. But like I say, it's a, it's always a challenge. Everybody wants, everybody thinks they can make a difference, and everybody thinks they can go and win the league or get promoted or whatever. And that'll never change. And you know, you've got to have that belief in yourself. You know, but you've also got to have a very very tough shell to put up with a lot of stuff. You know, so.
1: See, it's just interesting. Just because you made a point about the social media, so when you were in charge of a team, did you discourage the players from using it? Because I think we all see incidents where players say things on there that's not very professional. A, yeah. a, a, an example I would give, right? So um, Talbot played press and Athletic in the, the Scottish Cup. Guy got sent off and he went on social media afterwards and he was, it was one of those you were like, is that a fan that's talking? And it was actually a, the player. And you were kind of like, surely someone has a word with him and says, look, come on, like, you need, you need to get a bye.
3: Yeah. I think there was a very you probably remember a, quite a infamous one um last season, Stenish Muir Cowdenbeath. There was an incident with uh sorry. Ah, Counbeath player. Is it Cowdenbeath or Breaken? No, Counbeath player. Ah, he's at Count Is it now, but um he'll not mind me mentioning his name, David Cox. I mean there was yeah, a yeah. it was plus. I mean, it was live at half time. He you, you know, he walked off, walked out of the stadium, all that kind of stuff and you know what? That's that whole social, social media thing is just something that I think we have, we have to accept it. It's here. It's never been away. But you know, I think a lot of the full time clubs will have they'll have rules and regulations that the players will have to sign up to. The part time clubs, it's not as easy to do that. You know, you don't have that same control over your players what they're doing out with the two nights a week training. So. Personally, I'd rather the players avoided commenting, avoided reading it, because, you know, you can get absolutely slaughtered and their confidence gets destroyed just by a couple of comments, you know, and if they react and bite, you know, it's just a downward spiral from then, but it's it's a minefield, you know, it really is a minefield.
1: Yeah, i and Albion
2: Rovers the game incidentally sorry, sorry in I, a, I yeah, seen sorry. that at the time to be fair Dave you'd left by then couldn't care about Stanisbury at that point so
1: <laughs> I think the, the, the big problem with that though as well is like there was a guy getting accused that hadn't done anything because they put their own person who was playing yeah. for another think, team but um just to bring in that in terms of social media Alan obviously you're a big Scotland fan as well I mean the one I remember is uh, Christie is a Scotland player but it wasn't doing anything Scotland Ryan Christie he was on Twitter and getting absolute abuse from his own fans.
6: I, I, I think it's, um, I think it's a difficult one. I think it's uh, obviously you've got the issues of players actually uh, engaging with it and, and causing distractions for the team. But then you've also got the level of just in a basic thing everybody will know it. It's you get distracted yourself. I mean, if you ideally you want your, I guess ideally as a as a manager you want your players thinking about the team twenty four seven, and you want that to dominate their life. We all know how. How often you can spend hours on your phone, and I guess if you're distracted, engaging social media, you're no thinking about football. So it's uh, there's probably that side of it as well. Um, but I uh, but, uh, just to, just to tie up mine. I mean, Morton, Morton doomed their sale as soon as he uh, as soon as Falkirk took their two best players. So, um, <laughs> so Morton was my <laughs> protection. And
1: how are the two players doing? It? Falkirk.
6: Uh Well, actually, Nesbitt's, <laughs> Nesbitt's actually one of Falkirk's best players this season. Um, McGuffey's getting game time. He's no he's no light in the world. Up, but they've actually been two good signings.
1: Aye, Nesbitt's a good player though, isn't it?
6: Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. But probably one of one of the players this season who you're saying is performing at the level they should be.
1: Uh, aye. Well, come on. Orbit. Well, we're not far off coming to League One. Should we just go into League One? See we got Alan and he's talking. After
2: your prediction.
1: Oh, my prediction. Uh, See, it's a difficult one because Morton don't have a new manager yet, but based on what Connolly's telling me, Morton's going down. And I like Morton. I like the stadium. I've got friends that are fans of Morton. But yeah, I need to stick with Morton going down. Unless they get some great managerial appointment.
2: Yeah. So yeah, let's, um, let's move into League One. So just to recap um, people's memories from earlier on the season. So um. Four of us went for Cove Rangers at the start to win the league and they're top of the league just now. So that's myself, John, Ali and uh, and Mark. David, you went for Queen's Park, who are still very much in there, although they've tailed off recently. And Paul, you actually went for Airdrie, who are still in the, the mix as well. So um yeah, what's your kind of thoughts, guys, on um, you know, the top end of the league? Well, I mean, we we said at the start of the season this was gonna be the, the toughest league to call and I still think it it very much is.
1: I'll jumped been in po- that, oh sorry. you go David. I thought I was being polite and going after you.
3: Oh, after you. oh <laughs> you go, <David>. I know. <laughs> uh, I, sorry, I'll jump in the first again. But no, um I'll stick with Queen's part. Um I know they've had a wee kind inconsistent spell again. Um Cove have done really well. I think we spoke about at the start of the season about the pressure and the expectations on those clubs. They've obviously got backed by money men and Queen's Park seems to be getting bigger appointing a sporting director from is it Germany or something like that so their ambitions are definitely to get out that league as quickly as you possibly can I think you'll probably see them signing a few players come Christmas time and they've got that advantage of being able to sign probably the better ones from the championship that are maybe getting discarded by their clubs Queen's Park will be a big attraction to you know boys leaving the likes of Dunfermline or Wraith Rovers or whatever you know that that is a one thing they've got going for them. I know there's one or two other kind of hybrid type setups in the, in League One. Um, Falkirk's obviously a, a full time setup as well, but I do think Queen's Park will be able to attract another level of player that might just get them over the line or certainly into the I certainly expect them to be in the top three, but certainly I still stick with my prediction that I think they'll, they'll go in and win the
1: league. Aye, it's a, aye a Dutch guy that left AZ. Dutch Alkmaar. guy, sorry. Obviously, aye. Yeah. if you're thinking about someone leaving AZ Alkmaar, who are a top flight head of the easy to, club, aye. to go to Queen's Park, that's a coup. Much as maybe we don't know much about him, Dutch football is renowned for, obviously, producing young talent and things like that. And you would think the, the catchment area of Glasgow let's face it, Rangers and Celtic generally snap up loads of youngsters. Now, they're not all going to make it, because in football, that just doesn't happen. But if Queen's Park can tap into that and pick up another diamond like they've done in the past with like Connolly, and Shankland, that's just a few names there. They, they will probably end up in a top flight club.
3: I think they've got their, they seem to have things off the pitch in place, you know, they've got a very forward-thinking football department, you know, Leanne Dempster's there. You know they they seem to be doing things, building the club gradually, and I do think with right now this new football director, as you say, they'll be they have contacts from Holland. I wouldn't surprise you if they start bringing in boys from overseas as well. And like I say, they've got the money, they've got the backing, and traditionally, the team with the most money generally wins the league. So I'll stick I'll stick with Queens Park.
1: What about the guys that predicted Cove Rangers? John, you and me both predicted Cove, did not we?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Cove Rangers. Um, I just think that, I mean, they're a great run form just now. They've won the last four games and they've dumped the um, Championship side Queen of South at the Scottish Cup. I just think they're moving along nicely. I think Paul Hartley's a, an excellent manager. Um, they've got a similar type of um, set-up to what Queen's Park have, albeit maybe at a lower level, but um, I just think they've had that going for a few years, and I think they've got good momentum. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with my prediction of um, Queens Park, but well, I'm to, sorry, not Queens Park, Cove Rangers. But um, I'm going to give a shout again to um, Stuart Peach, who I still think is the best manager in that league. Yet again, one draws, probably one with the smaller budgets in the league. Three points off the top in second place, won the last three games. They're in tremendous form right now, and you know Done well, keeping hold of Peach. I know that he probably doesn't want to go full time, um, which is probably why he's still there. So, George, got to give a big shout out to him.
1: Yeah, you're a big fan of him, is it not? Down to his job though. I think he's, by all accounts, he's got a pretty good job outside of football.
2: Yeah, I think, but I think you're going to see a lot more people doing that now. You know, there's, um, unless you're going to a Scottish Premiership side or one of the top end of the Championship teams, is it going to be worth your well-being full time? I mean, I, I know players who are on not much less in League One than what they are part-time to what they would have been full-time in, um, in Championship. and It's a no-brainer.
1: It's something I've talked about for a while in terms of players. That, um, what is now of Scotland level in the juniors? There's many of those players that can be playing Championship football, but are they going to take a risk? They've got a good job, a steady income, with, say it's a trade or a lawyer. I mean, I think the days are when people thought junior players were all no writers, is not the case. Are many of them in really good professions. Are they going to take the risk of their job, a good job, to make better money from the football? To go maybe part time, even at championship level, and they may not get a chance.
3: And lose it's, it's the in- insecurity associated, with, you know, the insecurity of you know the championship as well. You know, a lot of the I you know Queen of South Morton Air United. You're talking one year contracts. You know, are you going to give up your job? Whatever it is, a tradesman, skilled job, whatever, to go full-time for one year. You're not, you know, I've been there myself, I've seen it, I've tried to attract players to give up a part-time, you know, a part-time football, to go full-time. Yeah, if they're at a uncertain age, they've still got that drive and think I could still make it at a top level, they'll do it, but If you're talking to 27, 28-year-old boys, they're not giving up their careers for one year full-time, no chance. And that's where Dick Campbell's probably got a real niche in the market. He's getting the best part-time players. And if you have simple economics, a good full-time job, and you're playing part-time championship football, your quid's in, you know, and... Let's be honest, at the end of the day, it's it's all about being able to pay your mortgage, put food on
1: the table, isn't it? So, I mean, there's not many clubs in Scotland that could sustain good wages that would be considered life changing. No, these days, not at all. Even in the top flight, maybe. There may be some clubs that you would think, I don't know, the the, the lower half of the top flight, do we think it's life changing money? I don't think it probably is.
3: No, it's not. Definitely not. You know, uh, you're only talking so the top top three or four teams, and maybe Rangers, Celtic, Hearts, Aberdeen, maybe
1: Dundee
3: United to a point. But after that, it's not aye. life changing money,
1: you know. Even then, on that subject of a uh, top flight, uh, and we're talking about League One. Shea Logan going to Cove Rangers, he's moved into plumbing yep. outside of football. So even yep. a guy that's played for what was the set, whatever you want to say, second or third best team in the last however many years since he was there, has had to get a job because he's potentially not made enough money from football. Whereas down south, I know we shouldn't compare, but they do make crazy money. There's guys at like 18 years old making £30,000 a week, which baffles me. I mean, that's for guys to make more than a week at that age than most folk making a year. It actually seconds me.
2: Look at that oh, boy, Aslam Farooz, when he was at um, Celtic. You know, he, he was—he um, went straight to Chelsea at the age what, sixteen. And was in fifteen grand a week at, at sixteen for even kicked the ball. No wonder the guy ended up um, no interested
1: eventually. In what so things go his head? But that's... Mark, <laughs> hi- I sorry, Mark, how would you have on at fifteen thousand
5: pound a week at the age of eighteen? Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie, I'd be dead. I would, I would have drank my <laughs> <drink>. <laughs> the tonic. I I would be gone, mate. Gone. <laughs>
1: would still be the bottles of tonic at 15 grand a week, eh?
5: Oh, mate, definitely. I, I I actually put it in a glass here to make it look quite, <laughs> quite good. I'm trying to make myself <laughs> look like glass, but I put it in my glass for <laughs> it.
3: Just think how many shares in Stillman you could have had, Mark.
5: I, I tell you, we could have bought the full team. See, how <laughs> you know, you know, you're on that, by the way, two players that are part-time, That as you're talking, like Rory McAllister and David Goodwillie. They are oh, two God. players that I still kinda of believe they're playing part time, but I know the Roland McAllister's got some sort of engineering job or something like that. So he's making a fortune. And Goodwill, he should be playing at a high level, but he's at Clyde still as well. So they're obviously making good money there and no one to chance it going up.
1: That was part of the reason McAllister moved to Peter there, because they were willing to have him play, but also be completing his I think he was doing not an apprenticeship, but maybe studying or whatever. They were willing to take him on. He was playing at a higher level, remember. I went down to League Two at the time.
3: Yeah, he had umpteen opportunities to go full time, which he knocked back to stay part time. His own business, good club, good Peter Hyde looked after him, and then he's gone to Cove, and they've they've made it even better for him. So good luck to him, you know.
1: Um we should ask. Who was it Paul had as a uh, champions of league one? Edry. LG, okay, look, we've not spoken about Airdrie. Bring Airdrie into the conversation, Paul. Still sticking?
4: Yeah, listen, um, Queen's Park is, I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting discussion here. It's, it's a whole different area. Things like sustainability and football. You know, we've seen like the false uh, situation. I mean, Davey knows it from Gretna, uh, which is the one we talk about. But we've had the conversation about Ross County. What kind of side are they? They're probably a Division One side. Based on their size, but it's it's you know grossly uh, dictated by Roy McGregor's money. Uh, will the same thing happen at Queen's Park. Uh, is there a sustainable model? Uh, from what I've been told, what they're trying to do is house Thistle as the third side in Glasgow uh, with this huge injection of cash over the next five years. You know who knows? You know, can you bring those fans back that've been away for seventy, eighty years? Probably in Queen's Park's case. So there's lots of different things. You say 17, 18 of years, years,
1: on, if you're bringing a bat from 17, yeah, like, 18, well, you're, well, you're, you're well, going to have to be going
4: well, grave digging. Well, well, exactly. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think that's the thing. I mean, Mark will tell you, I mean, what's still an Albion's record at 10 is 23,000. You know, when was the last time they had that, the late 50s? Um, but, I mean, I think, you know, there's lots of issues there that we can talk about a different team, but I, I, specifically on this league, I've I, I, I get where you're coming from with Queen's Park, I get it with Cove um, I've I just got a sneaky feeling that Airdrie you know, if they don't win the league they'll certainly be there or thereabouts in the playoffs, I just think the manager's been over the course they've got a really rock solid type of team, they're not spectacular in any way but they go to places like East Fife and win 1-0 and you know when they're not in a good run and things so I, I, I'll stick with them as certainly I would see them as real promotion candidates, a kind of under the wire type team but um, and I thought of that at the start of the season you know, I, I think those those other choices uh, along with possibly dare I say Falkirk were the, the obvious choices for some people but um, I've just got a gut feeling that they might just uh, surprise a few people
1: Yeah, so Alan did say the condition of him coming on tonight was that he wouldn't talk about Falkirk but Alan you're not getting away from oh. it
2: it
6: says How? everything about where Falk were that none has predicted them. Hey, aye. I mean, everybody else probably saw it coming besides me.
1: But what, what did you think at the start of the season, though? Were you optimistic?
6: <sighs> aye, of course I was. A new manager coming in, someone of uh, Sheehan's esteem. Um, uh, obviously, made a, a ratchet of signs. I've done that in the past, but you just get wrapped up in it again. Um, we just thought the, um, the stars were aligning and then we the way we opened the first couple of games of the season I remember being at the Hamilton game and obviously mm-hmm. Hamilton just been relegated they hadn't quite sold folk yet so we um, we played really well that game and we were unlucky and uh, and then we went on a run won a couple of games um, against the Cosh, who had the Covid issues and, and got a result at Cove and uh, it started off really really well and obviously then lack of a striker really, a goal scoring striker just cost us Um, we unraveled since then so uh, big big changes obviously uh, as everybody knows Um, sort of uh, infamous Gary Deans has stepped down, the Rollins have stepped in Um, so now the question is is the money going to go because that was the rumour that we're going to invest they're the ones that restarted the academy so we're sort of wondering what's going to happen there Um, and then the other side of the coin is we've sent we signed Jamie Wilson Um, he's now out on loan we're still no scoring goals as we should so are we going to bring in a new striker we've conceded nine goals in the last two games we need to short up the back as well so there's a lot a lot needs to happen but the positive thing is well, we've got we've got um, Martin Rennie uh, a young manager somebody who's local for Larbot um, so that's quite quite good to get him on Um he's sort of got a, a lot I hadn't heard of him um, as a lot of have you like your
1: US soccer as
6: well well you, I mean I think he was at Vancouver a while back um so, he wasn't a, he's no, he's no sort of in recent memory, but, um, I mean, he was across there, he said that's where they met Kenny, um, that's where he was working with at Vancouver, so, they've got, the good thing is, he's coming into a management team where he's got somebody who's worked with before, Um, and obviously, someday, Kenny's esteemed, I would have preferred Kenny to be, put his bits on, but... yeah,
1: it's like us all, I
6: mean... Oh, not I mean, To be honest with you, I was speaking to a mate earlier on, and he says, if, <laughs> he says if Kenny's Kenny's gonna shoot himself when he sits down to watch the uh, the striking session. Uh, when he sees that going on. Because it's just oh, we've got Sammy Oprium who's on loan, and he's just no up to it. I we mean, missed a couple of big, big chances in the first in his debut game when he should have been scoring to get himself off the run. Um and uh, so and a lot of the goal scoring sort of burdened fell on Morrison, um, who's who had his injury. Um so obviously when he was at the team were struggling. But I mean uh if we bring a striker in we can start them in, but the, the, thing, the, the thing that's disappointing is you've got such an exciting league, League won this season. I mean, you've got the Queen's Park project, which is brilliant. Um, Cove Rangers uh, is another great story. I mean, we were hoping to be up there. Obviously, the Montrose story for last season, they're going well after knocking us out in the last game of the season. Um, we wanted to be part of a, a really exciting top four battle. And we've just over the course of course, of obviously. Games were lucky actually because everybody seemed to stutter. I mean, over the last 10 games, maybe um, five or six games ago, uh, Cove and Queens were dropping points. And so, Falkirk, even though we weren't winning games, we were actually. <laughs> I was looking at it, we were getting beat, and then we were like, oh, actually, we're still only one point for the top, so it's not right. Um, but then we couldn't turn that around and get the wins. And obviously, the last couple of weeks, uh, we've seen what happens. But no, very, very exciting league. It's a shame how it's gone for us. But as a Scottish football fan, of it with were Falkirk running that league, it's probably why the most exciting. Yeah, um,
1: just to go a bit, Bruce Forsyth on you. Are you going to finish higher or lower than where you are just
6: now? Higher. I, I, oh. I, I, I can't. I can't see a situation where we didn't sign a striker in January. Um, if we didn't, we're, we're, we're asking for trouble. If we sign a striker, somebody who's a proven. I mean, the thing is, you look at we had Nathan Austin and Nathan Austin. You see him banging in for Kelly. It's another player we've let go. Um, I mean, a young player. It's just uh, it's daft when you look at it. Uh, um, mm-hmm. So I, I think, um, I think we'll finish higher. I think a playoff spot has to be the goal. If we can get a playoff spot, we have to look at that and go right. We'll be happy. But um, it's definitely an exciting league.
1: I feel like I'm going to go a bit radio here and go. I think we've got someone that wants to uh, say something, Mark. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, I loved every single minute of that. <laughs> 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 Oh, minute, Get your popcorn out, I, now, everybody. Get your no, We paint a folk up tears there. Yeah? <laughs> nah, I'm only joking. I I, I feel sorry for folk. I, like us being local teams and stuff, I I feel really sorry for them, and I actually wish them all the best. And I actually never meant any of that. I was just. <laughs> you, <laughs>
6: you didn't even look at me when you said <laughs> that. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I'm at I never meant
5: a word of that. I'm loving it. It's murder. at still an album, but do you know what? See every time I go after a Saturday, quarter five, and I look at League One results, and I see Queens Park six, Falkirk one. My day is made. We could have got beat ten, 0 twelve, 0 But you know what? I don't care. I see us get beat, and my life is happy, mate. I
6: hope. I hope. I hope we have a really bad winter, and like the train line gets cancelled, and you just get
5: iced off and blocked <laughs> into Stirling. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it, honestly, it's 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 sad, right? It's sad that that's the way I look at football. But do you know what? I love it, and I see Alawa struggling alongside you, and it, it's just it's just excellent, it really. Mark, <laughs> <is. laughs> you was being kind there. Fawcett didn't score against Queens Park. It was
0: six nil, boss. I was Aye.
5: giving
0: you a
1: goal and everything. <laughs> it's it's cause it's cause Mark had a quarter bottle away about the game.
6: <laughs> Could you oh, take no, me no, for one? <laughs>
1: Okay. Oh. Is that all you've got to say the Falkirk wow. That's 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 less you had to say about
5: Falkirk in the first podcast. See, to be honest, I, I've had a couple of drinks, so I don't really want to keep going on about it because it might <laughs> it be it may get
1: it might get explicit.
5: But, it, it, but I I'm loving it honestly, like for years as I still an Albion, this is how bitter I am, right? As I still an Albion fan, for years we look at Falkirk and Aloha and we see them progression all the time and we're struggling in the same league so to us it's, it's bitterness it really is and then once they went to Premier League it was even worse and it was putting your face we were getting beat off from left, right and centre we couldn't even win the Sturdenshire Cup and then just to see them coming back down and back down and then the infamous uh, conference that they had that was a statement not a question And it's I just it's made my life I, I've had a, a hard year I've aged <laughs> it for 10 years, but do you know what? I'm loving it. Every minute.
1: Here. old friend Lewis at the podcast, Lewis that used to do the statement league. Falkirk must be wearing that this season. Just for that, that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> that was a
5: statement in itself.
2: It? Old firm fact It's called one of their um podcasts. Um, it, um a a statement of sport. <laughs>
1: Lovely. Grant. We've allowed, I was going to say, we've allowed you to take quiet. It's not been intentional not to bring you in for so long, but we could not resist the popcorn moments there. I'm sure we'll get more because we we'll need to talk about League Two soon so Alan can get his own back in March. What's your thoughts <laughs> on League One? Well,
0: I've been hugely impressed with Cove Rangers. I've been to see Cove a couple of times this season, and I think Paul Hartley said it's been outstanding. Um, I love the link up between Mitch Meginson. Uh, who I predicted at the start of the season to be top scorer. I'm still going to stick with that. and uh, That's a bold in Mitch finish finishing top scorer, because he
1: has goals
0: at yeah. that level. Just pure he's goals. a fantastic, fantastic striker. I think Fraser Fivey's he's had a bit of a swan song as well. Shea Logan's come into it, some really good form. And I think Ied Weigert's experienced players that they've got there. Uh, and obviously, as John mentioned earlier on, you know Paul Hartley, very experienced coach. And they're in the box seat at the moment. And uh, you know that they're playing some great football. I totally agree on the on the Stuart Petrie uh, story. That's been sensational. I've got a soft spot from Inveros. I've been to Lynx Park many times. Uh, a great wee ground, and uh, they're going along nicely. But I love what Davy was saying about um, Queens Park. You know that story is fantastic, and you know I was amazed at that six 0 against Falkirk, and that was a real um, statement of intent. Pardon the pun, <laughs> um, which I, which I which I thought was uh, was really good there. Um, you know, I, I said at the start of the season, I fancied Airdrie. I was a little bit like Paul Ed Airdrie in the, in the mix. But well, that game in hand that they have against one another, Queen's Park and Airdrie, could be interesting because whoever loses that falls eight points behind the leaders at worst, at best, sorry. So that's going to be a, a big gap, you think, to, to overturn. But, uh, I, you know, as much as I want Falker to try and improve, they, they really are struggling, you know, they just they can't buy a result just now. I mean, you ship six against Queen's Park and then you ship three at home to Cove Rangers. It ain't looking particularly great. But uh, I want to give a bit of a shout to Jim McInally, by the way, guys. I mean, 10 years in the job at, at Peterhead Plus. You know, obviously we all know um followers of uh, Peterhead Football Club and supporters and stuff like that. Colin Byers of uh, Bluetooth Podcast being the, the one I'm thinking of off the bat. Really good, well-run club, and uh, I love the blue tune. And I really hope that they can survive in there. And I want to also give a shout out to the guys from Talk of or League: Dylan uh, MacDonald and Ross Gray, big Clyde fans, and you know they're they're still hanging around there nicely as well in in seventh spot. But again, like like uh, like the Championship, you always got a league within a league, haven't you? Because yes, he's five for five points adrift at the bottom, but you know new manager coming in, if they were to get a result, you know could claw back that gap. I really worry for Dumbarton at the bottom. You know they had a great start, um, but they're in free fall at the moment, uh, and they're not winning at home. And at home, Dumbarton are always very tough to beat. Usually, always a sticky place to go. But we won once at home all season, which I was amazed about earlier on. But if you're going to ask me to to kind of finish things up, um, I said Idris at the start. I'm going to change my mind because I'd like to see Cove in the championship. I think their story is absolutely sensational. Um, it means I can maybe go to a few more games as well as a neutral. I wasn't go to a lot of Aberdeen games as well, but How it's always good to, to, to see Cove to as stadium? well. I don't know, to be honest. Um, well, they might have to build a new stand. <laughs> a new stand, I've been there. Yeah, yeah they, 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 have, they need a, st- a new stand by uh, maybe Davey might be able to uh, shed some light on that perhaps, I don't know, but I'd I like to see COVID the championship. You know, they're a good side, well-run club. You know, Gordon Young's a very good guy as well and, you know, really, really great uh, team. But, uh, you know, it, it's very tough to choose. Queen's Park, you know, if they can win that game in hand against Deirdre, the suddenly they're just five points behind. They'll have real momentum. You know, you could see two teams come up from that league and I'll, that's my sort of prediction I'm going to say right now. I think whoever finishes, whoever wins the playoff will, will come out of this. I think two could come up
1: and, and two will go down for the championship. See, just interestingly, I'm pretty sure, John, you're doing the predictions later in terms of games. The big game of the weekend is Montrose-Queen's Park.
0: Yeah. That is yeah, massive.
1: But the points differential, like Grant was talking about points differentials, if that game goes the way of um, Montrose, they go eight points clear of Queen's Park. Okay, Queen's Park, have got a game in hand but it's still a big gap to claw back. Points on the board, as they say. Is that another Bruce Versailles thing? Po- no, po- no, points make prizes. Was that Bruce Versailles? Is that someone else? No? I think it was, actually. Wasn't it? Mine's yeah, right, what, huh? what, what, what a pounds make prizes. Yep. Ah, yeah. See, ah. There we go. And you give a wee shout out to Colin. You mentioned Colin Byers. Uh, he was supposed to make tonight, but unfortunately he's not well. So, friend of our podcast as well, Colin. So, hopefully he's recover soon from the dreaded boosters, or whatever they're called. Um, I remember when a boost was just something you bought in the shop for 50 pence, a biscuit boost, but boosters is a bit different now.
2: Alan, who do you think? Um, if you're not predicting that um, Polkops go in, like who do you think
6: are? I didn't say I wasn't. <laughs> 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 no, I, to be honest with you, um, I don't know, uh, Queen's Park, I reckon, um, because I reckon there'll be a sort of strategy to look at it in January, see where they are, if the gap's too big, bring in a couple of more bodies. Um, Ah, Queen's Park. Uh, Back on what they were talking about, what their strategy is, I read something that um, they're looking to become like a producer of sort of youth talent. Um, So that's one of the reasons for bringing across um, the gentleman from uh, from Alkmaar. It's to sort of, obviously he's in the director of football also. I guess that's going to be the sustainability but develop players, sell them on for profit. Um, so, aye, um I think Queen, Queen's part for promotion, I'd say. I think, uh, just in
1: terms of what Paul said earlier about sustainability, I think we need to do a sustainability podcast in all aspects of Scottish football, not just environmental but players and how Scottish football stays sustainable.
6: I, I think that'd be really interesting, because you talk about, obviously, an experience of sort of fan ownership, and I mean, obviously, uh, Mark's got to, to talk about it. I'm, I'm curious now when you're mentioning that about how, how it impacts a sort of five-year plan for a football club. Like, uh, do you have to expect to take a hit, to suffer, and then then bounce back, or like, I mean, obviously, look at Hearts as well. Um, so yeah, no, I think that would definitely be interesting.
1: Paul, do you know in terms of, for example, how long do like fans have to keep putting the money in? Is there a, a set time, or is it just a case of they can no listen out whatever they want? I mean.
4: You know, uh, I mean, Mark, him mean, I could have a, a debate over this for three hours. I mean, I, I think part of the problem, I mean, Still in Albion is a classic example of it was first to the market, as it were. And it didn't have the infrastructure. The smaller the club is, generally speaking, the harder it is for fan ownership to work because you've not got the talent pool. You know, if you, if you turn the corner, look, I mean, the, the Hearts, I can I can tell you for a fact, look, all the Foundation of Hearts guys spent three sessions with me in the boardroom at, at, at Fourth Bank talking about how we did the, the whole campaign, how we built it. But what they were able to do is go and once they got the club, they had accountants, they had lawyers, they had guys that used to be Deloitte, they had Anne Budge, they had the infrastructure that actually got it. Still and Albion didn't have that. And the town, you know, Mark might remember the kind of promotions we did when we took the club on. We did stuff all the time. You know, bring a, bring a mate for free. Bring your granddad for free. Uh, St. Modens and Wallace High, every kid got a free ticket. But could I get people to come and put bums in seats? Because the gap between when Still and Albion had 23,000 and when they were taken over, it did years and years of... Um, neglect, there was all sorts of different factors. Uh, So, I mean, the clubs that I would worry about getting into that, and Davey mentioned it earlier, things like Morton, when you get in there, it's the only option, and this is part of the problem that you face, that if the only option is fan ownership, because who the hell wants to buy a football club? Because you can't make money out of it. Now, going back to what Alan said earlier about the model at Queen's Park Sustainability, well, did are not have that same sustainable model where they were selling players mostly to Swansea for about three or four years when they had an academy? But soon the, the talent dried up or the talent went elsewhere or you look at other factors. I mean, the same breath we're talking about Queen's Park, we've all just said and acknowledged the fact that they might be bringing in players from Holland. If they're bringing in players from Holland, there's less players coming from Scotland. It's an impact up the leagues. So it's a programme in itself. Um, there's no right or wrong I, I think a lot of the, the fan ownership thing works with the scale and the size of the club uh, Hearts will not have a problem because they're bringing in millions every single year their average uh, payment's £15 um, Falkirk they're going down that route because there's no other option I think uh, and I'm, I'm happy they are going down that route because the positive things if it's done properly it brings not just sustainability, because you can't overspend because you've no got the money, but it also potentially uh, brings the, 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 the democratisation of the game. Where it goes wrong is the likes of Sterling, where the team who put the stuff in place didn't have the backup, and then other people came in, and it's been run, like the guy who's been the chairman that the manager's just fallen out with, has never been voted into that position in 10 years. But he's running it as his own plaything, so there's good parts about it, but there's also bits that make it difficult. Anyway, I've said I've spoken too long.
1: No, no, it. not at all. Not at all. No, it's an interesting one. I mean, in terms of fan ownership, I know people talk about Germany and how that works, but let's forget about Germany because their income, everything, infrastructure, and everything is far superior to ours. But everything, and that's fact. The West of Scotland football, like I'll go back to that, all clubs basically are fan owned because yeah. they don't have backers. Now, I'll speak from experience in terms of being t- in Talbot. There's The hundred club, so people put in money every month. that you're talking it, it when it was junior level. There's over a hundred folk put in, and this is no this isn't a secret because it's in the program. So I'm not telling any tales. A hundred people putting in a 10 a month straight away. I mean, I don't know where what the situation is at now, been what money's getting put in by fans or whatever. But there's no just that, there's only a community aspect of it, the events that happen, everything's going to the club. People know. We talked on this with Josh there are night uh, recently. At, at that level, the chairman, everybody, the, the board as such, know every fan, effectively, because they're not they're not a customer. They're like a friend of the club.
4: Yeah, I mean, um, as I say, Stella never put any of that infrastructure in place. They didn't have the scope. I mean, with 2,340 people uh, were the initial contributors to buy the club when we raised £300,000. We raised £200,000 within a day to save the club uh, because it was ready to go under. And it would have gone into liquidation because it doesn't own its own stadium. So there was lots of huge successes at the start, but the problem was the size and scale of it. um, And it it just, it was difficult. It really was very, very difficult to try and do. Um, And there was lots of learnings and lots of mistakes made. Uh, And I'm the first to put my hand up and say we made those mistakes. But I think you can see it done well at a medium-sized clubs. Motherwell are a fantastic example because every member of the board is a member of the Welsh Society. Uh, they all do their contributions. They're £15, £20, pound, £30 pound a month. Uh, they're all engaged with the process. Every single person on the board at Motherwell has been elected onto that board. They, they've got to serve time on the fans board before they can get onto the main board. And it's a skill set driven... Uh, you know, you've got... You know, a Bank of Scotland director, you've got an ex um, you know, you've got a senior surveyor you've got, you know, all sorts of different quality people, um, so it can work um, but there are limitations and, and you know, again, your example of the smaller clubs, uh, I mean Sterling haven't raised pretty much any they've got their lottery, that's it but I mean, I tried the first year we were there to instigate the let's pay £10 pound a month and all this yeah, and yeah. it was just it was poo-pooed because they felt they'd done the job It'll be all right now. And that's the problem. You can't, if you've got a fans run club, you can't then run it um as like the way a, a normal uh, football business used to be run. Like when old Peter, you know, when they needed to get promotion or needed another player, he would just go and take 30 grand out of his business and throw it into the club. Um, you know, and that in its own right wasn't sustainable. Otherwise it would have, you know, wouldn't have had the debts that it had uh, when when we took it
1: on. Just a brand Mark, and then I know we're going to probably come back to who we thought we'd get get from League One, but on that point, the thought of losing your club,
5: like, what it was, was it, that
1: like?
5: It was a horrendous time, and, you know, what What I hate most about Stirling is we're so close to Glasgow, we're so close to Edinburgh, and no, I was brought up a Stirling Albion fan through my grandeur, and I'm the only person that supports Stirling Albion in my family. Both sides support Celtic. And I went to Simone's High School and every day in high school, I was getting slagged rotten for supporting Stirling Albion, even though we lived in Stirling. So that, that, that's how I hang it. Was, it was never going to work because there's, there's nobody wants to go. There's a, there's a ground five minutes outside the city centre. If that, two minutes on a parking ride and nobody actually wants to get up and go because they're not interested. They're just not interested at all because they get to a certain age. My, my good pal, my girl, that you know, used to come home and away with me every single week and as you got to the age where he could then be set free, he went to Parkhead and he's been there ever since.
1: When you say set free, you mean when he can be legally drinking?
5: No, when he's more like a moot. <laughs> 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 but that, that's thats how I feel. We've got buses, that, like countless buses that leave for Stirling to go to Celtic, Rangers, Hearts, Hibs, and you think, why on a Saturday can you not come down, down the road? Aye, it's no great, but if you start getting the fans, you start getting the money coming, then we'll get better. But uh, nobody's interested and there's a hardly, past my age, I don't think there's any many young folk going now as well.
3: I think that's a cultural thing, Mark. It's the same in Dumfries. I see buses heading out of Dumfries there with the green and white scarves and the blue and white scarves you're thinking there's a championship club on your doorstep you're no interested. I do think it's a cultural thing that we have to change somehow. And if we could change that, I think it would be for the benefit of the whole of Scottish football. But how do we do that? I really don't know. You know, and it's... Go back to the fan ownership. I think it's brilliant if we can marry ambition with realism. You know... Stirling's place in Scottish football, where should you, where could Stirling realistically, where should you be in terms of between 1 and 42 clubs? Where should Stirling be? Probably between 15 and 30, realistically. If you were 15th in Scottish football, you'd be at the top end of the championship. If the fans all realised that and accepted that and worked towards that, and I'm not. I'm using same with Dumfries, Queen of the South. Where should realistically you be in Scottish football? And it's just marrying that ambition that we all have to have that dream about wanting to get to the Premier League. Never, never let that disappear. But at the same time, I think we, have, if to get fans on board, if, we, if if every club could get fans on board and had that realism and ambition and drive to make their their team the best it could be. Throughout the country, I think we'd benefit, but maybe it's. I'm dreaming a utopia which is never going to happen,
1: really. I like it, David. I'm an idealist as well in terms of that side of things. I think we all know, I suppose I can't really say much. I'm born on the West Coast, support Aberdeen, so I'm the, the flip side. But my reasons for supporting Aberdeen were, and not supporting either of the old firm, I could have supported Aberdeens, was for different reasons that we probably all know the whole scenario that goes on with them. There's good guys, we know there's good guys at support them, but there is that you know what I mean, you know what I'm alluding to. Um but even up Grantsway, it's the opposite. People going from Aberdeen in buses, supporters' buses to go and watch Rangers, Celtic, so all over the country. Is it just the fact that these two clubs have been dominating football? So folk want to go and see teams work every week. Personally, I think that would be almost boring. Maybe I wouldn't say that if if I'd lived in the 80s and Aberdeen I was seen as winning European trophies, Scottish Cups, leagues. But is it not like part of the excitement of going to football is that will you win? Will you not win? What will happen?
2: I think a lot of it it comes down to exposure as well and the the media in this country do not help by putting 90% of their focus on two teams. There are more than Celtic and Rangers in this league and I think if they put more focus on most other teams in Scotland then they, then they might get better now we have to acknowledge that Celtic Rangers are the biggest clubs in Scotland that will never change but <clears throat> but I think we need to make other people aware that there are other teams in the league and see Premier Sports always pick the Celtic Rangers option for the Scottish Cup like no offence Mark but Rangers, oh, right. still in Albion is not an interesting tie whatsoever in the slightest. Had it been played at the fourth bank, you could get the romance of the cup appeal. But at Ibrox, there is no interest in that, that game at all. So why don't they pick something like Celtic Hearts versus St. John's and the cup holders? That should have been picked on the box, but Aye, and no doubt that needs it. to change as well. Aye.
1: Mark, you wanted to say something as well there, didn't you? Sorry, mate.
5: I was just talking about, like, obviously, ne- ne- nobody's interested in... Like, I don't know why financially as well. It makes so much sense. I, I can go and watch Stirling Albion and you can take 50, 60 quid, right? And then you can have your ticket, your pie, your drinks before it, your drinks after it, the bus, even in an away game. But people are actually paying like hundreds of pounds to go and watch a team. And then the, the, they think they've got it tough. Obviously, Celtic have struggled this season, but they're complaining, like that, that they've had it tough this year. And I'll give Alan his due as well, right? What about us? Do you know what I mean? What, what about us? Hey, hey, we're not together. We're, we're, <laughs> we're not in the same boat here. to in. But, do you know what I mean? But as us, as his supporters, like, and I'll, I'll give myself credit, I'll give anybody else that supports a low-legged team, I have seen like some crazy highs with and Albion and some horrendous, horrendous lows. But I still go every week because I love it. And I just think, see if somebody for and gave Stirling Albion that chance, they paid their money. They went, they forgot that the football's, football's not exciting. Sometimes it's, it's horrendous. You could kick the ball about the back yard and it would be better. But do you know what? See, sometimes if you gave it a chance, you got stuck into it. You're valued as a fan. Like, I, I, I can go into Stirling Albion and everybody knows who I am. We do hospitality every year. And every single person knows who I am. And you go to, that's for quite bad reasons as well sometimes, right? Yeah. <laughs> You go to these stadiums, you go to Celtic, you go to Rangers, you're just a number, and I just don't get, I don't get the romance in it. Like, go and, just go and support your local team and get the chance and see how you get on, and then if you don't like it, fair enough, you've given it a chance, but don't come back, sit in the pub and slaughter us. You sitting, you sit on the couch and you watch your football team on the telly and you think, do you know what? I've bought the top this year. I've done amazing. You've done nothing. None. Well, I've, I've got started, Now you've got me running. <laughs> <laughs> go for it! Go for it! But I, I just think, honestly, it, it, it riles me up so much. I think Stirling. Stirling is a city, right? Although it's the smallest city in Scotland. Stirling is a city population of fifty thousand people, and Stirling Albion have attendance of probably on average five hundred. Now I know the football's is not great, but where else have we gone wrong there? Because people are not interested. It's down the road. They don't want to go. They don't want to leave the pub. They want to go to Celtic. They want to go to Rangers. Or they want to sit in the house and watch a football. Nobody is interested, and in it's it's infuriating. And I could go on all day about it. Honestly,
1: fucking Stirling must have too much too much money because to go to a top flight game these days, you're full day out because it's gonna be it can be a full day out. And if you've maybe got a young one, which I know some people do have, you can potentially be talking three figures easy. And, and that's and I, the low three figures is a conservative estimate once you've got your tickets, your travel, food, say you want a programme, if it's, I mean, I somebody even doesn't drink, as a young one, it's not cheap. Whereas, as you well, say... There's, there's, there's quite a few factors
4: in this, John, isn't there? Right. So, uh, I mean, I'm writing something just now, working with Henry McLeish, we're doing a review of Scottish football, so, um, which is a bit like the alternative review from the Deloitte thing, we've been working on it since June, talking to all sorts of industry professionals from people who have been involved in running clubs through former players and internationalists and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, one of the, the key things and what we were talking about there and what Mark was touching on is like there's this uh, connection that's a gap that's been is lost. That's a historical thing. And trying to attract, I mean, buying football, consuming football is not like any other product. If you get into, you know, Morrison's and you get a bad customer service, well, the prices are too much, you go to Tesco, you go to Lidl, you go somewhere else. You can't do that with football. So you've got to understand that the customer, and we know we're fans, we're not customers, but they're unique, so it's not a transferable thing. So you've got to get them, and you've got to, you know, he, Mark talked about he went with his granddad or whatever it is. Most of us have had that similar pathway. One of the big problems, well, we've touched on it, there's a few problems in Scottish football. One of the biggest problems is we're in a duopoly where there's only two teams can win it at the top, ever, pretty much. In the last 26 years, there's only been two teams that win. But it's an unfair market, it's an unfair competition. And let's go back to the time, which we're scared of might happen again under this stupid review that Dave Cormack and Ron Gordon are pushing. Well, they, what in actual fact their review process started with the Deloitte thing was that they wanted a top league of 10 where you could only get into it if it was a franchise. Why? Because Dundee United, Dundee, Aberdeen, and Hibs are all owned by Americans who have come over here and said, I'm investing all this money and I might get relegated. I'm not on that. Oh, there's plastic packs, so we don't like that. So we're under real threat here. But the bigger picture as part of this is, historically, we've never looked after Still and Albion. We've never looked after Folker. What this job's taught me in 10 years, I love these teams. I love every single one of them. When I go and talk to fans, whether it's at Annan or whether it's at Aberdeen, I'm welcome. with we'll open arms. But the football itself and football authorities have never actually opened up. I'll open up every meeting by going and saying, I'm just a Thistle fan who's got a bit of experience with fans. If I can help you, I will. And, you know, football itself, we are the only industry probably in the whole of Scotland that does not have a marketing director. So the stuff that we're talking about, you know, and, and I can remember the first Albion games I went to when I moved to the to the city, the periphery of the city, and one of the guys, um, you'll, you'll know him, Biff, uh, or Miff it was. Sorry, not uh, Biff. James, Miff, James Smith, uh, right. Miff, Smith. Miff Smith. Miff started a campaign about, uh, it's your local club. And that's the type of campaign that should be running through the whole of Scotland with a with some money invested. So, oh, we've not got any money. Go and find a sponsor. It's a brilliant campaign. Your local is, works. You know, th- There's all sorts of things they can do. The problem is, and this is a big picture, the big picture, is, and Davey will know this, have worked in football, is the SFA, which is there for the greater good of the game, whether it's para-soccer or whether it's women's football or girls, has been taken over by the SPFL. And, the, you know, it, talk about conflict of interest. Why is the chief executive of the SPFL on the board of the SFA? It, it makes no sense at all. You know, yeah. and there's so many incidents where they've actually called it. So what we need is we need big investment, big ideas. We need to regenerate those clubs because every one of them is a community asset. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Davy knows from Stenhouse Muir, the work that they've done in community, they might not be the greatest in the park, but the work off the park, they're, they're lauded all over Europe for some of the things that they've done. Uh, and all the clubs have the potential to do it. But we need radical reform at the top of the game before any of that will happen, and our teams will improve along the way.
2: Definitely. At playing point, 14 the over. season doesn't help either. Aye. I, oh. think
1: what, I think what we'll do is we definitely need to do a, a proper sustainability podcast of Scottish Football yeah. because they're so we, could, we generally could speak for days. I think we put us together in the panel and we'll sort out the rights and wrongs of Scottish Football. <laughs> Um, it would be fair to say so. Maybe I should join the SFSA, um, or we all should. Grant, I know you had a point you wanted to make before we discuss who is yeah. going to finish bottom of League One.
0: It's just one very quick point, and John made this about a media thing, and I want to end on a little bit of a positive note because I think guys like, um, even though you know some of us are not fans of what they do, you know some of us don't think it's our cup of tea, but the guys at view from the terrace, you know, really do take. I think a lot of clubs down the lower leagues into consideration. And they do try to give these teams a bit of exposure. And to be fair, I think what they do, as I said, it's not everyone's cup of tea, it's certainly not my cup of tea, but I think what they're trying to do is is very admirable and fair play to them. And I think we need to see more of that. We need to see a lot of other clubs doing a little bit more marketing, a little bit more of their clubs. Maybe they do that already. Maybe it's not getting the exposure it deserves. Maybe that's something that that all clubs should be trying to vie for. Maybe it's something that they should get some support from the SFA or the SBFL to do. I think it's something that we really need to be striving to go forward. I mean, we've seen the success of Open Goal. You know, is that not a little bit of an opportunity to utilise in some
1: respects? I, I think one thing on the point of media, yeah, it can vary. Views from a terrorist I like other people. It's very Marmite, it seems to be. Hmm. But the people I find it find that most Marmite as the ones that support top five clubs. And the reason for that being is because they don't see Rangers and Celtic on it. Yes. Well, that's a brilliant thing because they're almost the antithesis of what is wrong with Scottish football, mm-hmm. as we've alluded to uh, on here. So, yeah, I enjoy it. I think they're a good, good, good bunch of guys, they're good banter. And I would like to see some of them on the likes of sports scene. That's what I would say. But we'll move on. Uh, League one, bottom side team. Who did we have generally, John?
2: Um well four of us went Dumbarton. Um us two, um David and Paul went Dumbarton, Ali Green went um Peter Head, and so did Conley. Um obviously right now in League One, East five for five points adrift of Dumbarton at the bottom, but they've obviously picked up a couple of draws since Stevie Cropper's came in. So um I want to know if um, anyone thinks that'll change that um if they're gonna Stick by their initial prediction. I'm still going to predict them, but there's just they had a good start as Grant alluded to earlier on, but I think their recent form has been ropey. And I think East Fife have picked a decent enough manager, Stevie Crawford. That I think he'll get them back up a couple of places at least. Almost, yeah, I'm going to buy it.
0: I'm going to go Dumbarton to finish bottom as well. I actually think Alawa could get sucked in there as well. I tip them to to, to kind of struggle in the second half of the season. Grant, Grant, with the sons.
1: Grant, come on, calm down. coralie has got a hard on here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's
0: just, it's just,
5: Keep keep going, Grant. I like to keep it. Bring Fulker in here as well. Go on, come on. Is that the
2: for you, Corley?
0: I think the, the beards all have enough. Sorry Italian. I think they'll be all right
1: apologies for my maybe slightly inappropriate joke but I could see Colin you're champion a bit in terms of I mean this is stuff it dreams for you before we move on to League 2 I think we won't cover any more predictions I think we're all in the ballpark and those teams will struggle because they are down the bottom so let's probably move away from League 1 and get League 2 and Mark I apologise for getting to League 2 maybe you never wanted to like mention it but what, what remind me again what was your prediction for Sterling Albion this season
5: you know what? I was like I, I we watched the Premier Cup, right? And I was like <laughs> I was like a horny wee teenager. <laughs> we started so well, we finished saying, and you know that way? I was all excited. And then when you get to the point, it doesn't actually last that long. And that is what's just happened in the league. We have went for second to seventeen points behind. It's like how does that even happen? How do you how do you lose the Cowden and beef? They've only won one game before that and they beat us. They beat us one none. I, I, well, my blood. Honestly, I'm 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 getting there, <laughs> but I've I've got lots to say. But it's just it's it's not good enough. Um,
1: Mark, it's like a points. therapy session, a therapy session for you, Mark.
5: I'm just I'm just getting it. All out I'm getting it. All out. Um, but I it's, it's not been good enough. We've got a cracking, cracking squad. Um, but it's not happening. Like obviously we went, we started really well. We got beat a couple of games, and then we changed that round. We drew at Kelty We went nine unbeaten, and then suddenly something just Went totally wrong. I don't, I, I can't even explain it. even had oh. a striker, a big, big Dylan Martin playing against Trinent, right? So he scores two goals against Trinent, right? Need disrespect them him, but it's Trinent. And he turns around and shooses us because he scored two goals against Trinent. Do you know what I mean? He never even had a shot on target against Cowden Beef, but you know what? Well done, big man. You've scored twice against Trinent. Fair play to you. See, on that point, though, no. I
1: mean. Obviously, Kevin Rutkiewicz came out with a statement about what was going on behind the scenes or on the, on the pitch, even. Has there been really bad problems with injuries, etc., in terms of player and
5: availability, or was that...? But, but not like any other club has. Do you know what I mean? Every every club deals with the same issues. They get injuries and they deal with it. So, uh, did, you, did you read the statement yourself? I read it in full, Mark, because you sent me it. I... Aye. <laughs> I think... You should have seen me when I was reading it, right? <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, Do you know what? I've I got a lot of time for the guy, right? I, I've met him after games, and we'd done hospitality against Danish and we got beaten. I had 24 of my pals and he, he personally came up and apologised, and he answered questions and stuff like that. So I, I applauded him for that, because if it was me and that my team had just got beaten, I was a manager, I would have told you run up and bolt, right? But he came up, he explained but we disagreed on his his reasons behind it. And, and that's what the statement is, really. He's saying that he's brought us to a better place. And I even... I, I've actually written down his oh, records, right? Go, this, for this it. Is, go for it, go for it. This is how much I got invested in that statement, right? He had three whole years in charge, right? Three whole years and a couple of days or whatever it was, right? So he won 41 games, right? Fair play, League 2, 41 games. He drew 23 and he lost 44. Now, a team is still in, right? We're no we're no championship level, but we should never, ever be in that league. And he has lost 44 games in the league. Like, you he, he can't even comprehend that. He always kept his job. We would go through a stage where we would start well and then we would drop away into the middle of the table and then we would push on again and we would get there, we'd get there. And then it's the same thing. The horny teenager, right at the, the playoffs, bang, gone before we get there loads gone and we're back in the league once again leaving that leaving a sniffier playoff and he finished fifth sixth and fifth and he took us when we were second bottom that was after dave mckay he was halfway through a season and he finished fifth right fair play him. but then he finished sixth the season after we we're a full year in charge and then he finished fifth and then he's coming out saying that he's he's took us to a better place like You've just took us to the exact same place the manager has before.
1: Right, I'm going to take it to, I'm going to take you to a better place. Right, it's part of my season. I am the fairy godmother. I'll grant you a wish. Who do you want it in charge? <sighs> who Who would take it or who do I want in charge? Who do you want? It's a fairy godmother time. So you can have whatever you want. Wish wise, rub rub the lamp or horny teenager. Don't rub anything else, please.
2: Dave Rams is on there.
5: Maybe. <laughs> I was going to say anybody but David. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we ought to be used to that with Mark. Like you remember him from the initial podcast. Mark, I, uh, people still talk about your appearance on the
5: podcast and how good you were. But if I was going to bring anybody in, it would need to be Moses because it needs to be a fucking miracle worker. <laughs> <to> be, uh, <laughs> see, just...
3: before, see, before Mark answers that question, he and I'm not sticking up told to managers kind of union here, but you're going to have every manager will try and justify what they've done at a club, you know, whether good, bad, or indifferent. If you don't, then you're leaving yourself. Basically you're giving up, you know? So I, having known Kevin, both as a player and as a as an opposition manager, I could, and one thing I would always say about him, he was very open and honest in terms of what his opinion was in terms of the game, etc. Um, if I was in his position, I would probably want to justify what I'd done. Um, he's obviously looking forward, thinking if I go for another job, I've got to be able to show that I've, you know, my track record is whatever it was. Um, but at the same time, Mark, I get the frustration from fans. You know, that they want better. Everybody wants better for their club. But they're, going back to what I was talking earlier about realism, you know, what is it still what is it you want? I know you want promotion. And listen, every club in League 2 probably feels they do want promotion. If you look at this year, you've got Cove. Eh, not Cove, you've got Kelty. They've won it before we kicked a ball. I think we were on this podcast. I think every one of us probably went to Kelty. Apart have won me. that, <laughs> apart from <you. laughs> and won it before they kicked the ball. I could guarantee Kevin whoever Kevin, well no, whoever replaces Kevin, it's Sterling. Sterling. Well, I I predict Sterling will be in the playoffs. I think your squad, the players you've got. Listen, if you look at out with your Celties and your Coves, see the other eight or nine teams in League Two and League One. There's an inconsistency about them for all sorts of reasons. League 2 particularly, players will dip in form, you'll go on runs, you'll go on runs of wins, you'll go on runs of defeat. Take Kelty at the equation, and Cowden beast possibly at the other end. There's not a lot between the other eight teams, Matt. you know, and I think, I thought Kevin's squad was a decent squad when I looked at it at the start of the season. I still think it's a decent squad. I think, Whoever goes in there has got a real chance of taking them on. You've got a wee boost with a bit of cash for the Xbox game. That's an attractive job for somebody. Now, whoever you want with your fairy godmother's wish, I'm sure you'll get somebody that can take Sterling up to the at least the playoffs.
2: Mark, if it makes you feel any better, my tip for um, going up was worse because I picked Stenis Muir. And it probably justifies... Um, David, you're talking about justifying your possession because... Um, obviously you lost your job last season but they're not in a better place than when you left them
3: Uh, I know I'm not going to try and justify I mean I went it was a Covid season I had 18 games I had no training sessions you know we turned up and played Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for three weeks I was driving to games and you get players phoning you say I've tested positive I can't play then the board sack you for whatever I don't know what they expected so that's me trying to justify my position, but like I say, all I my people do. It's the same. It
1: must have been the most challenging season ever for everybody. Like I don't think that's justifying your position. That's fact, isn't it?
3: Well, like I I worked it out and a bit like Kevin I gave my board I gave the board we started off this I think we played eight games before they cancelled the season or brought the season to a, a halt. Um They then sacked me with four games to go. So I basically got judged over six games. Because before the the season came to a halt, we were sitting fourth, I think, third or fourth. And they were happy. They had the break, came back, played six games, sacked me, and then they had four games left or whatever. So I said to them, so you have basically judged me over six games after we came back from the, the lockdown. So... I, listen, that's as I said to you, uh, um, that's me trying to justify my position just like we all would try and do, but um it's it's a difficult job. It really is a difficult job managing at part time level. You get so many different factors to deal with, you know, and and listen, the pandemic's something that nobody would ever have thought we'd had to have dealt with and that's still something that's going to affect clubs. I know we don't want to speak about it, but Let's be realistic. This could this could kick in again and could have a real impact on every single club.
1: Can I ask so, a quick question, David? Oh, just yeah, something yeah. we touched on earlier about player welfare and the way players get looked after. How do you get looked after as a manager? Because we're all human.
3: See, to be honest, and I, I'm not I'm not criticising Stennis Muir, but the manager, they, he was the last person that was considered. You no, know, we spoke about the players. We dealt with their welfare, which is quite right. They're the ones had to play. We never, we never really looked at coaches and managers and how we were dealing with not having team, not having to be able to do team talks, nobody to train, nobody to speak to your players. You know, you we had four different rooms at Stenhousemuir before a game with four players. You're going around doing repetitive team talks, trying to motivate, try to encourage, try to disseminate information. It was impossible, you know, but the stress levels of a manager, I don't think, were probably considered. But again, I'm, I'm biased, <laughs> I'm biased in that respect. But
1: so, even like I know clubs have got nowadays, I think most clubs, even if any club's professional, they have a chaplain. And I don't know, that I may mean, not say everyone in terms of talking to a chaplain because people maybe associate that with religion and different things like that. Mm. But anything offered in any of your roles, I'm not just talking about as well, but anytime, regardless of COVID or not, would that be something a manager would be offered? Chat, chat, I know, really.
3: at some club, I mean, you're right, Stanley Smuir, Thistle were one of the first clubs that I, when I played, they had a, one of the first chaplains, I think, came in and it's very much an individual thing, you know, whether you feel you want to speak to someone, whether it's a chaplain or just a counsellor, or even just, even a board member, he bounce off, you know, that, the whole pandemic made it so difficult to actually sit down with someone. Even like we're doing just now, It's, I know it's online, but you, you get a different impression with a face-to-face conversation than you do sitting talking to each other here. You know, your, your body language and everything. And It was just, that was lost during that last couple of years. And as I say, I can sit here trying to make excuses for all managers that have lost their jobs, but it really was a difficult time for, for everybody players, fans, board members a lot. So, um, But I, I just wanted to say, I just felt, I know Mark's still, I'm sure you're disappointed to some extent Kevin left in the way he did, but um,
1: there'll He's be a had-
3: hundred applications in for that
1: still in job, I'm quite sure. Mark, what have you done with your Kevin posters? Are
5: they off the wall? Uh, that was, <laughs> I'm only doing it. Like, as I say, I had a lot of time for him. I just think when he left he could have, he could have left with that kind of bit of respect that he had um I don't know if you've seen the statement davy you, you read it no
3: i did I, I read it yeah i did read it um, i don't
5: know I don't know if you would personally do the same thing you would have just left resigned, and then that was when it when he resigned it was like ha had lot to the guy like he, he cared he killed an awful lot I'll give him that like he, he, he ran up and did that touchline. He heeded every ball. If he could have put in tackles, he would have done it himself. But it never worked. And then I thought, Do you know what? Once you've resigned, go away. And then people respect you for that. And then, he, and then he just tried to justify his record. And obviously, me personally, I, I didn't think it was good enough. I, I've seen week in week out his decision making. And obviously, fans are fickle as well because we see the game differently to yourselves. But I just feel like he wouldn't play a guy Beckett plays for us. I don't know if you've seen Dylan Bikey playing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know how that he was signed right. Me personally, Kevin never signed him right. He was brought back because he's a fan favourite, but he never played him. But he's the best player on the park. He, he gets bums on bombs off seats. He gets yeah. people interested in the game, and he would never play him. And then we signed the boy Sean Heaver up front. Small boy, but he, he was great on front. And then just he just persisted on certain players in it. I just kind of grated to us, and then he just wouldn't change it. And then when he did leave, I thought, right, take a step back, and we'll appreciate what you've done. But then when he he released that, and he thought he was going on about like personal finances and stuff, and I just felt he he didn't need to do that. If he had just left, then we'd appreciated it. But then again, he's obviously trying to just get his side across as we are to him.
1: See, quickly Uh, on it, interestingly, if I can just say something, right, he said something similar to what David Hopkins said when he left Morton. So if Kevin Rukovic is going to Morton, (laughs) it doesn't bode well, because the talk was that i seen, again, Kevin Rukovic was saying almost he was paying players or helping finance players. Now, we know what happened at Morton, Hopkins came out and said he was paying for lunches, dinners, paying for all sorts. So is it out of the fire into the fire if that happens?
5: But if you want to attract somebody still in I Albion, mean, there's not much great scope for that, is there? So if you're taking them and you're sitting like anybody that sits across with Kevin Rucovits, they would probably sign for him straight away because he's got this infectious nature, and you would you would give in for him. But that's maybe why he done it, and that's, that's just my opinion. Obviously, he 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 could then tell me a different story that I don't know in the background. He's seen it, I've not. But that was just my opinion. I just thought, right, you should have just left went your way and everybody respected you and it's just kind of put a wee kind of sour taste on it do you, do you think yeah, yeah, man, I could was. sense
3: a, sorry sorry. I just wanted to say Mark, I could sense a bit of frustration in, in Kevin's statement now I, again I don't know what's going on behind the scenes but just by reading it I could sense there was a bit of frustration and obviously a wee bit of disagreement between various parties so um, I know what you're saying that Maybe she'd leave your dignity, and sometimes, sometimes it's difficult if you feel wronged or you feel that frustration. You need, you want to say something, but at the same time, not say what you really want to say. If you know what I mean, Um,
1: the club allowed the statement. Didn't the the club? It was within the club statement of the resignation. Mm. Which who knows? Maybe they left on good terms in a way, mutual things. Who knows? I don't know.
5: See, then, she just added, get it up, yeah. <laughs> 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 that was, I just rounded no, it that up. No, but I done well. And he it did, he brought in, like, a guy, below who does, like, um, I, I can't even remember the position that he's got. but yeah. made yeah, analysis, yeah. and yeah, he's analysis. brought in some good players. And we managed to get Andy Ryan, he's still in our way, which should never have happened in a million years. He'd done a lot of good. And then it was a performance on the park that took that away. But we had a, a scouting team and he'd he done a lot. He'd done a lot and we respected that. But at the end, I, I really did think he was just saying, you know what, get it up uh-huh. you. And, and and do you know what, see if it was me, I would have said the same. But obviously I'm a fan. I'm not the man I'm the other side. I would have said the same, get it up you as well. But do you know what, good luck to him. Whatever he does next, good luck to him as long as he doesn't come back to us.
1: <laughs> I feel it's only fair to run Alan Ireland as a Falkirk fan because he was getting all sorts of abuse when it was like one chart like, Alan, what are your thoughts
6: on Stirling Albion? I, I, no, I've, I've, got, I've got nothing to say. Um, Stirling Albion are a tiny club. And, no, joking, <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> uh, No, hey, uh, uh, to, to be honest, he you, have talking about but obviously even if it's in terms of what, his expectations and stuff, it is, it is a shame because um, Stirling's, I mean, Falkers are at 47,000. So just look at that. I mean, obviously we are not turning out big, but if we're we're getting sort of 3,000, maybe maybe a wee bit less than that in the last couple of games, but um, you're expecting bigger things. And as you said, if you've got the squad and um, you get a, positive, a new manager and get a couple of positive results, I think he's will day all right. But um, high for, obviously, top of the league's decided, I think, bottom, um, Cowden and they are looking up to it. So that's sort of my take on that league. Um, I, it's, it's, it's a shame as well, because, I mean, as I said, I've got sort of better feelings about the league in terms of, like, again, just players that we were developing before like Nathan Austin and stuff just flying um, it's just uh, uh, but no no, definitely it's, it's ex- exciting league as well it's, it's exciting to see what Kelly will do and see if they can make a back-to-back promotion they can like it I think it looks like Grant
1: Dr Grant what was your yeah, before Kel- the season
0: I had Kelty at the start and you no know, they've been rampant to say the least I think they've been utterly dominant um, Kevin Thompson, you know, what a great job he's done, you know, coming in to replace Barry Ferguson. Um, obviously, good coaching credentials at Rangers, of course. Um, to come in and take that job, um, I think he's done remarkably well. And we touched upon this earlier on when John was talking about Kelty playing St. Johnson in the Scottish Cup. I genuinely think Kelty have got a great chance of knocking the holders out. I, I really do, especially at home. St. Johnson not scoring goals. That has got all the makings of a big, big potential upset. They're running away with that league. They've a game in hand, seven clear. You know, credit to Forfar for at least kind of trying to stay in touch, but I just can't see Kelty blowing it from here. And in fact, I can see them pulling even further clear at the top. But after that, you know, Davies mentioned some interesting points about that pile for the playoffs. I mean, I'm intrigued to know if he thinks that Stella will get in there, who's going to drop out? Because, you know, Annan have had a really good season, maybe a little bit under the radar. Stranraer, after a, a bit of an up-and-down start, are, are, are in there. Edinburgh City are in there after a slow start as well. Um, you've got Stenich, We are still in the mix. You know, anybody really down to, to Albion's got a chance of, of getting in the, in the playoff spot. I mean, the, the one team I actually worry for is Elgin City. You know, I, I know beat are bottom of the league and the four points are drifted at the bottom, but you are not really worried for Elgin. You know, I, I like Gavin Price. I think he's a good manager, but You know, they're on a really, really poor run, really missing Kane Hester, who's been injured for for much of the season. And, you know, I I look at that table and, you know, I I think it's going to be so, so tough for for Elgin and for Cowdenbeath. I think it's really going to be a straight shootout for one of those two to finish bottom. I think Albion will have enough. But, you know, the story is all about Kelty, isn't it? They've been rampant, dominant and utterly ruthless. See quickly, the surprise what...
2: team of the season. Sorry, I was just going to say, we mentioned Dan in there. Most of us, including myself, had them relegated or in the play, in the playoff at the bottom end this start of season and are sitting third in the league. So they're the surprise of the season. But sorry, John, on you go.
1: i I seen Mark re- kind of react a wee bit to what Grant was saying about Kevin Thompson. I think we talked. talk, Davey said earlier about finance, finance wins leagues. I think Kevin Thompson is just doing the job it's expected based on what finance they have there. And that's not yeah. doing, doing Kevin Thompson in disrespect because I think the all accounts I've heard he is a good coach.
3: When you look at the what they're paying the boys, I know some of the the wages that are getting paid over there. It's, I'm not saying it's an easy job, but you know, you've got a you've got a head start with the squad, the players you can sign. You know, he's signing Tam aware from full time for party thistle. Um, you know, just Callum Higginbottom. Callum Higginbottom, yep. yeah.
1: Oscar. Scobie's there, isn't he? That was playing at a high level not the goal. I he's still yeah.
3: so long I mean, ago. Yeah, I mean, so you've Eric. got, you've got an abundance of players on this, as I say. I, I know it's, coaching's never easy, but I think when you've got the tools to do the job, great, better tools than nine of the other teams in your league, you know, you've got a it's not the most difficult job. It's probably the hardest job will be keeping the players happy at Kelty, the ones that aren't playing, you know, because mm. he's um, got quite a big squad. So, uh, but no, it's listen, you better been in, uh, in the right place at the right time as a coach and a manager. And it's, if it's on your CV, you win a championship, you know, that opens doors and gives you opportunities to perhaps get a job at another level. So, And Kevin being a top player in, the, in his time, you put that along with a decent start to his coaching career. You know, this could be a springboard for him. But I think Kelty, they have to go up this year. I think I've heard that the finance, the backers only prepared to back them for another couple of years. So be interested to see what happens once once that dries up.
1: I should say as well, I'd like to see Kevin Thompson do well as a manager after the horrific um, time he had with injuries as a player because, yeah, yeah, as if he was going to be as good as Scott Brown, if not better and look at the career Scott I, Brown had.
3: I remember at the time I was managing it, Scott Brown and Kevin Thompson, I said, I thought at the time Rangers got the better signing because I thought he was a really, really good player. But obviously, Scott Brown's, he's still probably Aberdeen's best player 10, 15 years later. But um, no, I, I agree. I, I hope he has a good career and his coaching career. He was unlucky as a as a player.
1: I think we'll all agree then that Celtic are winning the league. Well, um, I think- <laughs> you still get I think it's done already <laughs> <laughs> Aye So on the flip side It's between Elgin and Killing and Beef. Who do we predict John? Most of us?
2: Most of us predicted Anna and Elwin To be honest Right okay well, numbers on. Well they're eight points ahead Of Keldon Beef. just now They've actually done okay this season But I can't see anyone Other than Keldon Beath Finishing bottom I just And uh, like Morris Trust has got The hardest job in that league
1: And obviously They do get the second chance So at least that's the thing yeah. which yeah. we've always we discussed on the opening podcast. That should not be happening. I think
0: the interesting battle actually is who wins the Highland and Lowland League to see who plays the team that's tenth, because you know those leagues are are very competitive in their own right. And as you alluded to earlier, on you know it almost gives the team that does finish tenth in league to a, a second chance. You know, and obviously saw what happened with, with Brecon City losing that that match against Kelty, but. No, it's going to be fascinating to keep an eye on the Highland and the Lone League because that's particularly the Highland League, I always speak for the Highland League, but that's a really competitive league because Fraserburgh are very ambitious. I know that Brora, even though they've lost Stephen Mackay, who's at Elgin City, you know, under Craig Campbell, are, are still going very strongly. You've got Bucky Thistle in there. You know, Breek and themselves are, are in the mix. That could be a very competitive league. So that's one to, to keep an eye on. I know, I know I'm kind of going outside what we're wanting to discuss, but I do think that's something that should be considered.
1: I think it has to be considered they are the lower leagues because they are the teams that are going to end up in there. And we've already, Davey, e. Alley, the rest of us that were on the opening podcast, that League Two is going to look very different in five years' time, What it should do, because with no disrespect to some of these teams in League Two, they've kind of been in there by default because they've no had the threat of relegation. And that should not be happening. If there's a pyramid in place, it's not a pyramid if teams have got second chances to stay up. that That's not how it works. Uh, again, I, I, we could do a full podcast on that. Um, so, John, we've got the lower league predictions, haven't we? Is it a bonus? Lower league predictions as well? Yeah, multiple, we'll do. Uh,
2: yeah, we're going to have a um, a bonus. Normally, we pick one game from each league, but one, because it's Christmas, and two, because there happens to be a lot of us on tonight, and we don't want anyone missing out, apart from me, um, which is fine by me, then we'll We'll pick two from each league. So I've written down the games. So from first of all in the Championship Partick versus Wraith um, so we'll have someone who is completely unbiased picking this Paul, the Partick fan <laughs> What's your
4: predictions? Listen, for this game? I, I just think they were so bad in in uh, last week that um, after a great run of eight games undefeated and a solid defence that I just think that uh, Zach Rudden and and Brian Graham will, will get Thistle through that one. Um, they've just not been particularly playing well because they've not been they've just not been supplied with the ammunition. So I, I just think it'll turn the corner. It's a really important game for Thistle. It's either upwards or downwards. Um, uh, this game, it'll, I think it will decide the season. So I think McCall will have them really motivated, and I think they'll win.
2: What's the score? Uh, I
4: think. It'll be close. I think we'll win by one goal, maybe 2 1 or 1 0.
2: Um, I should stipulate sorry, Paul, we do actually need a scoreline because um, it's three points for correct um, scoreline and one point for correct. Aye. correct. Okay, I'll, I'll
4: go for 2 1 Thistle. Yeah. Um, uh, is
1: that is that the first of our Ali Graham derbies because he's played for both teams?
2: <laughs> well, uh, the other game I was picking was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think
4: Ali played for Thistle. He was at Thistle, he aye. He was aye. Was he at Thistle? I must yeah, have missed
1: it. must have been really bad then. He, never played, many game, he never played many games, but he was there. Was he?
2: Yeah. Well, the next picture I'm gonna have is uh, Davy Irons versus Allah Graham Darby, although that could account for half the um <laughs> no the, the <laughs> in the league to be fair. <laughs> um, so Queen of the South versus Air United, David. Um, what's your prediction?
3: Uh, I've got a wee vested interest in this one. I played with both teams actually. Um and my nephew's currently at Air United. i um, your head, but he's injured. So I'm going for a 1-1 draw. Cause I don't think either team can afford to lose it. And I think there'll be a bit of fear creeping into both teams. So I'm going one each. Listen,
2: into League One. Um, Dr Campbell, you get the game of the day. Montrose versus Queen's Park. Second versus third at Lynx Park. What's your um, score prediction?
0: this is a cracking game this really is a, a superb game I mean I you know I, I think you've got the best manager in the league as you've mentioned against one of the teams that's the most exciting in the league um, I'm not going to sit on the fence I'm going to be bold I think Queen's Park will get an away a win I think they'll win 2-0 interesting 2-0 um, to sorry
1: Queen's Park, he said. Park. Ooh. 2-0 Queen's Park Ooh. that would be big that would be big.
2: If you put it in your coupon, Grant, they will probably it'll probably happen. <laughs>
0: no, it won't. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, also in that league, so I'll come to you, Alan. Um, not a real interesting game, this. East Fife at home to Falkirk. We speak about East Fife. Oh. The, the first win over Stephen Coffin. Surely it's going to happen this weekend.
1: <laughs> John, you'll be unfair, Kingdom team. <laughs> come on. That's- how
6: are we going to win against Ali Graham when the hearts are on the head? <laughs> Some people may be bored. Uh, Martin Rennie had his um, his first video uh, with Falkirk TV. It just got released a couple of hours ago. And he was saying that the first Falkirk match he ever went to was um, the final game of the season. Uh, was it 87? Falkirk were going to get promoted to the Premier League for the first time since it started. And it was against these Fife and we're up 2-0 and they end up East Fife pulled it back to two each. But luckily enough, it was enough to Get promoted. Um, so hopefully, none of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> eh, we just need to win. 1-0. 1
1: 0. 1 0. You're not going to Desmond. You're not going for a repeater. Uh. 87 with are Wee Desmond. 2 eh, no. 2. No.
6: No, just <laughs> 1 0. Nesbitt.
1: Oh, a scorer as well. You're going like for extra points. We don't <laughs> get any points for the goal scorers, I'm afraid.
2: Right, we're going to continue the heart-over-the-head Um Still now I' in mean, versus Annan. Conley, off you go.
1: You were going to do this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a great laugh, yeah. tonight. <laughs> uh,
1: Are you the Grinch tonight, John? I, I, like, I'm supposed to be, uh, what am I supposed to be nowadays? Bad Joke John? F-Bomb John? Whatever, uh, you've had so the many. Worst names. John, the worst John, the second John, the, the not so. I think,
2: I think you've had enough nicknames to f- uh, fill, fill, fill cast, a full cast of panto.
1: The missus is happy with you, by the way. Not as George, I think, in terms of that slander. She's consulting lawyers about the situation. To
5: be oh, fair, right,
1: okay. about uh, yeah, and, uh, you think I'm bad to deal with. The missus, we all know if the missus is involved, we're in trouble. So just you watch for that letter through your door.
5: Coralie.
1: <laughs> What's your prediction? I <laughs> you
5: can keep going if you want. Make <laughs> uh, oh, I really don't know. I, I can never see. I could never pick us to get beat. Even though have I'm going to see two one still and i win. Well, you might get the reaction after um, the manager leaving. So. You no know, be- but we got the reaction last week and we got beat as well so <laughs> <laughs> it matter, does it? <laughs> Who, who's taking
1: over more at the weekend for the game
5: it's uh, James Craney it was uh, Kevin Richovic's assistant he played and we got beat off 4 for 2-0 um, I was working I was night shift thankfully but uh, it was quite unlucky actually so I don't know I Craney was under there under Kevin so I don't know if that could maybe have an effect but you, you never know So I'm going to go 2-1 still And I'll be in, out of hope More than anything else
2: Right and John Off to you um, Elgin versus Stennismere Ninth versus seventh
1: Oh right okay Just for that one aye. That's You're right. um, To be fair oh, so I'm, getting, I'm getting one does... back
2: For when you put a best 11 on me Off, off the spot I've not forgotten about that Oh, but, Aye
1: but the best 11 is your thing To be fair So you should have been Fully prepared for that coming <laughs>
6: um, I gave
1: a good one. <coughs> I mean, to be honest, both of them are terrible just now in terms of form wise. we um, Muir, two losses, a draw in the last three, and same with Elgin. I'm going to go though for Stennis to sneak it just in the fact that they can score goals. Elgin are conceding goals, so I'll take Stenhousemuir. Muir. 1-0, because Elgin are struggling big time for goals, 13 and 15 games, that's relegation for them, if there was automatic relegation. Or Luckily fair, for them, they seem below them scored 10. Exactly, exactly. So I'll go Stennais, maybe i 1-0. Or 0-1. Well, was it Elgin you said at home? Elgin. I'll go 0-1 the proper way you do a score. Right, that's that's the correct way. Yeah,
2: and once we get Ali's uh... We'll obviously tweet this, and once we get Ali's predictions, we'll share them, and hopefully... What's, is it 7-5? We're down just now.
1: 7-5? We've made a bit of a comeback, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're doing all right. I think Ali's maybe shaking in his boots a wee bit. Um, I mean, to be fair tonight, right, we've got bloody seven of us, well, six of us, six against one. But the other week, Ali was... Uh, when we, we got a point off him, right, because he was... What was he? He was 7-4 ahead, maybe? No. Maybe before like that it was 6-3 or something like that. And he wasn't happy that he never get the point. He was like, Oh, but you always go first. So I offered him the chance to go first. And he was like, No, it's all right. Because I think Ali Graham, he's got a bit of inside knowledge. He, he finds out on a Friday who's all playing, who's got injuries, You <laughs> know, that type of thing, then puts his results in. So I, uh, uh, but to be fair, we're missing Ali tonight. We've got a great panel, but Ali, he is one of our favourites. We can say that, can't we? Yeah. He's great, terrific uh-huh. banter. Type, of, I think again, we've spoken before, but many times football or sometimes you can seem a bit remote from us as mm-hmm. mere mortals. Uh, Ali is a great guy, and Davey, I'm sure you'll vouch for that. You've oh, been in, been in the game,
3: yeah. No one, Ali played well when he was a, a
1: boy. Uh, he's no one then, he's no one then. So, give us your best story about Ali Graham and, and he can't come Oof. back on it. <laughs> oh, you put sorry, me Ali, right in
3: the spot. Sorry, Ali. Um, I just remember Ali's been if I used the term Gallus when he was at Clyde Bank as a boy and it, this is why Ali had such a good career he, even then when he was a kid and you had Kenny Day and uh, boys like that playing up front Ali thought he should be in the team you know and uh, and to fair dues he's, he's gone on and had a really good career so I've not got any specific stories other than that he was Very, very confident in his own ability, and and I think if I was speaking to any young kids, you have to be. I think that's something you have to have if you're going to be a sportsman, professional sportsman, any whatever sport you're involved in. So no, he was was always a good guy, and you know he was never never slow at coming back with any kind of comments and banter. So no, he was. I mind you, that was thirty odd years ago, so. He's no. I'm
1: sure he's no change. He loves it. Well, he loves it. But definitely, anytime we've had him on, he just you can tell he loves football.
3: Yeah,
1: like yeah. every time, isn't it, John? Every time we've had him on, it's just he, lo- he loves football. He's infectious.
2: Yeah, he loves football. And from the Christmas um, edition last year, he was telling us his love
1: for sprouts. <laughs> Aye, but that, I mean that's just bizarre behaviour. Yeah. Bizarre behaviour. Qu- right, quick, quick, quick! Uh, question. Just because we've we've got us all on, and we've gone probably extra, extra time. A little bit easy for me to say, Grant. Just because you're at the top of my screen, favorite part of your Christmas dinner. Oh,
0: it's got to be pigs and blankets, isn't it? Yes, you know, it's, it's not- an absolute slam dunk,
1: isn't it? I, I, I'm with you, Grant. Probably though, there is a, a there's a rival contender for me. I, I'll say it just because he said pigs and blankets. I could eat them. My thing in boxing day is I will eat pigs and blankets that are left over if there's any left over. And I will also eat the roast potatoes that are left over with a bit of mustard.
0: Oh, not with mustard, no, not with not, not for me. Totally no, 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 no. only acceptable the mustard is Pat mustard from Father Ted. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ah oh, right, mustard is too much for you then. Not like mustard at all.
0: Nah, not a fan, oh. I'm afraid.
1: So so I'm pigs and blankets or roast potatoes. If I was to mm.
0: roast potatoes, I'll go with. But but no, pigs and blankets all day long,
1: my good man. Aye, I'll come back to my decision. It's too tough, Alan. Christmas dinner. Hey, what's, what's the top choice? Oh, so
6: it's a bit. It's a bit of a. An odd one. Um so my dad, I think not came up happened one year. Basically he was consistent when he started every year. And then one year he did this weird black pudding with cream and he just forgot to go shopping. And uh see so how he did he done this weird like black pudding with cream tomatoes and spinach or something. And I, I swear it's, it's it's amazing. I d I didn't he there's nothing Christmas about it. But still made He uh, still make it
1: every year.
6: every every, every ever since. Mm. Ever since. Um so I'm Adam and Angie just forgot to go shopping one year and he just worked with what he had. I, and, like uh, I like aye, it. I know that's that's my favourite. that's my my dad's black pudding
1: starter. See, we went one year with a we gambas peel peel starter, which is no Christmassy at all. But <laughs> chorizo <laughs> and prawn—the smell of chorizo, I think, is a bit. Oh, if I'm going Spanish, chorizo is the best smell in the world, I think, food wise. Coralie, I I know you're a cosmopolitan person. Is a pie the best part of your Christmas dinner, or do you throw it away?
5: Oh, couldn't care about it then as a bit. I've been fun. As long as there's plenty of wine I can kill. you your turkey up your arse, get the wine out.
1: See how, mo- see how most folk pour gravy over the, the Christmas dinner is it Buckfast for you? I was, I was going to, to say, did you not upgrade to the bucket?
5: <laughs> <laughs> you know, on, that, on that note, by the way, see if any of you are actually interested that you're probably not, right? But I'll tell you anyway, if you go to Butchers in the Rat Block, you can get Buckfast barbecue sauce. Well... Uh, Mark, yeah, you we go.
1: might have mentioned this before, but you've been on. I've mentioned it many other times. Some of the best pies I have ever tried is from Bennetts and Sterling No, to blame. Sorry.
5: That's the kind of posh part. Of, we don't really associate with them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs>
1: Mark uh, and his John, folks. John, because you're nuts in my 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 vision in terms of this. I, I think I know your answer, but go for it. What's your best part of Christmas dinner?
2: It's a tough one isn't it um, The thing I really look, look forward to um, Which is going to sound weird It's this pork sausage meat stuffing that you get oh, oh. That you only ever It only ever seems to come In Christmas day You never really get any other time of year I could probably eat that on its own It's that good So yeah That's the thing I would put in
1: Done it before on Boxing Day A good bit of stuffing Aye And, and always when all food tastes better Second day Well not always I might be some things It might give you food poison but generally second day dinners are the best Paul Christmas dinner well I'm
4: going to I'm going to go for a a throwback to the 1970s and it's something that we've always had in in Christmas Day in a spectacular fashion rather than a wee shitey portion of it really go for a a really seriously decent wine cocktail Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I I, 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 I really like the old iceberg lettuce and the tomatoes and all the old Thousand islands and see if it's done with nice big juicy prawns. Uh, so I, I really, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. The old turkey or whether it's ham or whether it's beef, I don't really give a monkey for Aye, that. You, is, you, know, you get them all the time anyway. But a real quality takes me back to the days of going to Stackers uh, up at Annie's land on a, a, a Saturday Ooh, night. So, that uh, <laughs> so that, that's that, that, that's that's what I'm looking forward to.
1: Okay, Davy, the best part of the meal, Christmas Day.
4: Gotta
3: agree with that one, uh, it's all prawn cocktail for me. Is um, this an edge
1: then? No offense.
3: It must be. I, I can't say I went to Rio <laughs> Stachis for prawn cocktails like, but um no, I'll, i make my own Mary Rose sauce as well, so I've got that's, yes. that's why I've got uh, to go with old prawns.
1: Mark, by the way, see a prawn cocktail, it's no got alcohol in it. Well <laughs> it's,
5: it's cocktail. <popcorn. laughs> <laughs> Just see on that by the way. I didn't know that, that Falkirk Celebrated Christmas. I didn't know you could get <laughs> this <with them. laughs> <laughs> Left
1: uh, I, I've got to say, like John and the the ones that were on originally in the lower league, we've been enhanced tonight by who have been on tonight. We would have liked to have Ali and Colin on. Tremendous night. Um I would say all the best for all your seasons. I think that's alright because you're all mostly in terms of all League fans in different leagues so that's alright and have a good Christmas everyone
2: Good too thanks everyone
1: uh, and, too. Cheers. 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 and and that as we say in Christmas is a wrap <laughs> right
3: cheers
1: everyone thank, all you. Best, thank you all the best bye bye <laughs>